open up the app and the music appears But you don't see the hard work, blood, sweat, tears Three minute videos, days spent filming those Airports, sound check, live shows, studios, managers, promoters Labels, graphic design, there's a lifetime behind every rhyme Victory, failure, profit and the cost If we don't pass it on, then the history is lost Want an album review? Then you're paying for ads You want a half-page story? Cost you double for that And the radio's the same, gotta show them the money Cause they shelter and their listeners like bad boy Bubby Ignorance is bliss, but it isn't if you're missing the foundation That's why we had this conversation You wanna know the real deal? Here it is You're tuned in to Beers, Beats and the Beers all right, one, two, one, two, back in effect for another week. This is the Beers, Beats, and the Beers podcast, and man, we are fucking live with a legend in the studio, a legend. Like, I hung out with this cunt all day fucking yesterday, and you're about to hear about it, man. Like, I went into this cunt's archives, and, well, I mean, if you've already pressed play, man, we got Dino in this motherfucker, like, and it's just, man, I went over there yesterday, and I was just like, holy shit, brother, like, you know, just going through Yeah, man, it was good shit. to talk shit. It was fucking, it was incredible, cunt. Like, this dude, man, underneath his house it's just fucking lined with posters like flyers from fucking like 93 onwards pretty much hey? pretty much yeah like yeah. dude and shit that you've been involved with but listen bro before we get into all that as we always do about this time we just got to recap real quick last week's episode and we were joined by my man Reelsy oh Reelsy and we had a fucking ripper with Reelsy big Jay Sense from the Riders and Non man fuck he like man the first time we had Jay on we had him back on the fucking third ever episode and he was on here with um with Diz and Odds and um you know it was just kind of like time to get fucking Jace back because Jace's history is fucking crazy and I remember following that third episode you know I mean we were fucking dude we're up in the late 60s now I think this episode's 68 so our last episode was 67 with Jace so we'd done that many fucking episodes since having Jace on and it was like man let's fucking get this come back in and let's talk all that history because we barely touched on it the first time around you know I think I think our boy got fucking super bugged the first time around and we couldn't get too many words out of him and shit so you know this time man Jiggers he fucking opened the fuck up and you know we got Chase stories we got Sydney shit we got fucking writers and non-stuff we got the fucking development of his iron lack colour like Man, everything. What the fuck did we talk about, Trav? Can you even fucking remember? Can't like that episode was a ripper, man. We went to number 10 on the fucking iTunes chart. So we cracked the top 10 for the first time in, Shit, I think, dude. since we've come back, you know? I enjoyed the um, Chase stories. Yeah. And the, um, <laughs> He's it, such a mad cunt, man. Chase is such a personable, just a really fucking good dude, man. He didn't get to tell that um, possum story. What possum story? I can't yeah, he rescued the possum oh, from yeah. in the drains. <laughs> Uh, he's an animal lover on top of everything right, he has else. Hearts of gold, man. Oh, that's man, what yeah. you want. That's like, it. That's yeah. it. And he's got a heart of gold. This kind, <laughs> and he's contributed so much, man. Like, like I said, he was a member of Writers Anon early on, which was like one of the formative cassettes in this city. Like, you know, I mean, fucking aside from Black Stump, Decipher, and a handful of others, man, there was very few hard. Like, you know, there was yeah. like nothing. No, it was nothing, man. Like, legitimate groups out there doing things at that point. I mean, we're talking 98, 99. You know, I think the tape dropped around 2000. So Writers Anon working on their shit through then but man we got into the thc days you know the artist that dislikes being known formally known as alamo <laughs> you know our boy reels man like i can't say enough good shit about jace he's just such a fucking he's a legend he's someone that um i fucking love forever man like he's just a fucking great dude and a great mate and um yeah like we worked at crush city together years ago and shit like that he's moved on as well you know he's kind of moved on from crush now and shit and you know we just really wanted to just focus on the graph and focus on his history and stuff because that's what we didn't really get into the 
first time round. And, uh, man, I can't send enough love out to my man Jay Sense if he's listening to this, man. You know, thanks to him, we went up to the fucking, you know, we hit the top tens in the fucking, uh, in the bloody um, iTunes charts and shit like that. And we broke it all down, man. Like, we went, we went through it all. So, fuck, man, get that shit in your ear holes now if you missed it. Because, you know, once again, Beers, Beats and the Biz is back for another week. And we got a fucking cracker ahead of us today. So, you know, we had a cracker last week. We had a cracker the week before. And we're about to have a fucking another cracker today. A cracker. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Now, Patreon. Come on, you motherfuckers. Let's get behind this fucking Patreon. We're out here. We're doing this work week after fucking week. I think we're at about 13 Patreon patrons or something currently aren't we something like yeah. that i think we've been as high as maybe 15 or no do we get to we got up like fucking we got yeah, up there we for had a bulk at one point yeah we had like 19 the, or something break. yeah before we fucking we before we fell got, off the face of the earth we also <laughs> got um a five-star review came through on itunes and it's, oh we got one too much swearing. Oh, do we have to use the, um, oh too much F- swearing. Do we have to use the F Poor word? Fucking so much? sooks. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it unreal. <laughs> yeah. so. Too much swearing. Oh well, you know, fucking turn off now, cunt. Fucking hell. Like, yeah. but they, but they still gave us a five star, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. some friendly advice, and it's not the first person, as you know, to oh, say. And and Travis, and Travis, <laughs> fuck, you want some friendly advice, cunt? Let's get this fucking website happening. Yeah. Where's his website, Trav? I clicked on it I'm again. Not a, I'm not a fucking IT bloke. Oh, we need some cunt. Okay, so if anyone's listening out there, we need someone that can do us a website, man, because our website is a fucking shit show. It is fucking horrible. It's just something Trav banged together, and you know, I should be grateful that he did that much. It's you know, we're just fucking trying to sell some shit. We've got like. 14 episodes uploaded to it. It's a fucking shmozzle. It's not even a website. It's got it's the SoundCloud. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's got, got a, all the episodes. It's got a link to a SoundCloud and shit. But, you know, we need something proper. We need everything up there. We need all fucking damn near 70 episodes, everything coming. We want to blog off that thing. We want fucking – I mean, I looked at um, – whose who's website did I look at? Frenzies for the Low End Theory. You know, and congratulations to Frenzy if he tunes into this. He just hit 50 episodes of the Low End Theory. He's out there doing his thing, man. He's spoken to Ransom, Paris and Peril. He had Tommy Rock on years ago. Like, we had Tommy Rock on recently. Fucking, you know, he's had countless people. He's talking to, like... Good music, too. Yeah, good, great music, man. He's fucking... Yeah, Frenzy's the maestro, man. Yeah, dude, seriously. I'm sure we're going to I, I had the same... The same uh feelings the first time I walked into Frenzy's house as you did he just had so much wax yeah, man. and fucking turntables everywhere and it was and like skill it was, dude it was just man like yeah. a skill level that's unparalleled yeah, you man. know like mm. fuck I would love to see that fucking dude's crates I would love to watch that dude DJ one day but oh man he was, he's the maestro you know up. but yeah like I was looking at his he website. taught me how to juggle one handed Bullshit. Nah. Juggle no, one that's what we used to, Me and Frenzy spent some time hanging for a while, like when he was kind of pseudo a mentor. And yeah. that was a thing. We would do juggles and stuff. And say so he would show me, we'd be using Barry White, like, yeah. one handed and shit. Yeah, Frenzy was, he was the fucking king. He's the fucking man, man. He's the fucking man. And he's been, po- he's been out here podcasting since there was a fucking RSL feed and shit, eh? You know, like he's been RSS, out here. Yeah. RSS feed. There you go. That's how much I know about this shit. You don't know much more. I than know me, less. Do you? <laughs> you know less. <laughs> if you find that IT guy, send him to my house afterwards. I know the first two letters at least, yeah, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> I don't even know what that is, yeah. straight up. Like, <laughs> well, nor do I do. It's just something he mentioned once when we had him on. But um, um, fucking where was I going? Oh, so yeah, this website, man, we need a fucking website. We need to do something about this shit. Listen, we'll tone down our language. We'll do all that kind of thing in good time. But, you know, also moving through things. What else have we got here? Um, Yeah, listen, if you want to build with us, we're back. We're out here. We're building week after week. Oh, once again, Patreon members, man, much love to all you guys. Listen, you can donate as little as a dollar a month to this show. Is it a month or is it a week? 
It's a month. Month. Eh? Yeah, it's a month. So Everything's can, monthly. Yeah, it's all monthly. I mean, it's US dollars, no, I think. I think they've changed it oh, have they? now to Australian dollars. Okay, pretty word. certain now. Okay, word. Because, well, yeah, that was a bit of an issue. It was a dollar ended up being whatever, yeah, two fucking bucks. dollar eighty or yeah, some shit. Yeah, some, yeah. Whatever the conversion was. Man, like I said, there's a fucking million podcasts out here now, so we got to fucking, you know, we got to up our game and, you know, with your help, we will do that. We're working on the uh, YouTubes. We're working on all that kind of shit and, um, you know, we're doing it. So get at, get at us via the socials, man. Get at us via fucking Beers Beats and the, at Beers Beats and the Biz um, on Instagram, on Facebook, on um, Gmail. Anything else, Trav? Just um, if you're looking at sponsor or even advertising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where should they go, Trav? Talk to them. Hit us up, yeah, socials, Gmail, wherever. We'll find you. Just send us a message and, yeah, we'll get at you and, and talk shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll fucking we'll do the do, man. We'll do the do. So, you know, we are out here. We're working. We're bringing you this. And once again, this week, we are in. you are in store for a fucking great episode because uh, today, as you already know, we're joined by Dino, man. Now, before we get into Dino's story, I just want to fucking just state from the outset, like, man, we're in the presence of a, a – foundation MC here in Brisbane, a fucking, an honest to goodness legend and a legend that like maybe I initially, and like my apologies to you, bro, like maybe I initially overlooked the impact that you have had and the the output you have had, oh, you shit. know? Was there one? You can't, <laughs> listen, like you've been out here for a very long time, dude, and just taking a trip down to your studios yesterday, it was a fucking honour, dude, like me and this dude went up shotting fucking Bundaberg <laughs> rum and chasing it with fucking You're a bad influence, man. Oh, can't, we were chasing fucking rum shots with fucking budget Mexican <laughs> beer. Like, you know, and we had a fucking ball. We got on the turntables and shit and fucking, oh, man, it was a fucking day and a half. So, you know. Management you, accepts no responsibility. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, no one does. No one does. Not even me. I mean, but fuck, dude, what a fucking day I had yesterday, bro. Like, seriously, man, I had a ball. Like, yeah, it was good, man. man I was taking was photos good. of shit and texting them through to people. Like, your archives, brother. Like, you've been collecting. You've just been collating everything forever. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um. Well, because I was so obsessed with it yeah. when I kind of discovered Aussie hip hop and stuff, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was, yeah, you kind of had to collect. It wasn't like no digital or anything. So if you wanted to tape or whatever, and then I don't really get rid of anything, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it's music or posters or yeah. fucking, I think I've sold records like twice in my life to pay rent and it broke my heart. Oh, <laughs> you dude. know what I mean? Like, and, like how, and how many crates do you have in your house? Like, I mean, seriously. That man, it's, it's like. I don't know, three or four hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something yeah, three like three or four hundred crates. Probably, man. probably three hundred crates. Or yeah. Something yeah. Like so that. you're talking about roughly probably thirty thousand. Yeah, I records. think it's about thirty thousand. And then beyond that, like the walls are just lined with all gigs that you've done. Yeah. Well, that was the other thing in. when when I first started doing gigs. Man, I never envisaged doing gigs. Never. Yep. I never. I never had goals for hip hop. Yeah. It, it just happened. You know. It just. Yeah. It, you know, but then the first time you do a gig, you know, was that Funk Master Flex line. All I ever wanted was my name on flyers. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? That yeah, was exactly. that was me, dude. Yeah, you know, yeah. that was to me that was making it. But dude, your name's on the flyer, or you got your name in the street press. Like that's the shit, man. That's you it, know, dude. like that's it. It was like some kind of pseudo validation. You know what I mean? Oh, somebody yeah. else knows that we're doing. Because again. Don't forget, back then the hip hop gigs were seven dudes. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, exactly. Dudes didn't show, and half of them wanted to beat the shit out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> you yeah know, yeah, so yeah. it wasn't yeah. it wasn't like a, a thing. Like hip hop's a thing now, where it was cool. Like you know, you didn't pick up girls being into hip hop in the late eighties, early nineties. No, 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 it was no, no. not a cool thing, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you know, 
I mean, I've always been into all sorts of music, but yeah. I think we spoke about it a bit yesterday <coughs> once I kind of discovered Run DMC and shit like that. Mm. Like, that was the end. Like, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. man, this is the stuff for me. This yes. is, I, I love this more than anything else. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, yeah. yeah, and I guess my collecty slash hoardy type nature and stuff. And we spoke about Mark. I mean, the late 80s was a good time to start buying records because, um, we were talking about Rock Lee Markets. It used to be massive. It used yeah. to be like an absolute massive thing and a proper flea market with dudes just selling their shit. And because CDs had come out, I mean, th I think they came out in 83 or something, but yeah. really about 86, 85, 86 was when CDs were yeah. like the medium of choice. Yeah. So dudes were just dumping their record collections. I was buying 100 records a week for like 50 cents a piece. Jesus. You know, like... Like I told you, man, you'd go up, I'd pull two things out of a crate and dudes would be like, dude, give me five bucks and take it away. I'm like, done. Yeah, and yeah, through yeah. doing that, you discover so much shit. Yeah. Like I was telling you, I was only a young kid. I didn't I didn't know anything. I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know Nina Simone from Aretha Franklin or, yeah. or, or anything, you yeah. know, but I was just buying anything that I kind of recognized from my childhood, kids' records. Like I hadn't quite cottoned on to sampling and stuff, but I, I'd sort of got the idea of scratching yes. from rap videos. Yeah, like yeah. to me, I, I hadn't, I didn't know and didn't know sampling or anything like that existed. But the thing that set rap music apart was obviously the vocals mm. and the scratching. Mm. Mm. To me, the mm. scratching was the thing. Like, oh man, that'd mm. be cool. And you know, you try and do that on your parents' belt drive yeah, with the rubber yeah, mat yeah, and stuff, and it, and it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't work like that. It took me years to kind of, <laughs> you know, and that was through meeting guys and meet. I mean, two D. I can't give it up enough. He was the like we were rap kids in high school. We yeah. you know there was a bunch of us. And we would swap tapes and you yep. would, you know, and that was it. But I'd, I'd still never given any thought to making rap music, rapping, doing it. That wasn't for us. That was for big black guys from New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like it up. wasn't for skinny white skate kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. And like I said, I think it was about 92 when a mutual friend, DJ Hype, Dan, he, he calls me up one day and he's like, I've got to play you this song 2D made. Well, he wasn't 2D then. you got to play you this song that Alex made mm. and stuff. And I was like, what do you mean he made it? And he's like, he made it on his computer. And I'm like, what do you mean made it? Like, I had never even thought that rap music was made because like, like I said, Run DMC and yeah. Beasties and Ice-T, they all still had tracks with guitars. Exactly. It still exactly. sounded like a band with scratching. Yeah. I'd never even thought that far into it. Yeah. And I, I just kept repeating, like, what do you mean he made it? Like, and, and he had raps on it and little scratches and... I just couldn't get my head around it. And from that day, I was like, man, I've got to come over to your house and you've got to show me how to do this. And yeah, they only, yeah. again, had one turntable, you know, a CD player. Alex, I think it was an 8-bit sound card. Yeah. Like 8 bits. Again, I don't know nothing about computers, but yeah, I know yeah. that's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. your screensaver on your phone, what's that, man? Like fucking, fucking 500 times bigger than that, you yeah, know? I've like, no idea. This kind plays video games. So you fucking, do you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how much is a bit? How much is a gig and shit like that? I don't know. The, um, yeah, 8-bit sound card. Sound card back then, like, still would have been right up there as for the time, the, probably yeah, yeah. for the time, it would yeah. have been pretty good, but oh, yeah, but and my, it was nuts, like, yeah. it, it just blew my head. And from then, just started hanging with him. It was basically three of us, his mate had like a bungalow, something like this, but yeah, nowhere yeah. near as cool. Yeah, it was just like an old wooden shed out the back of his place where we could hang and you know, because we were all kind of into hip hop, we didn't, I didn't. Even, remember using the term hip-hop too yeah, much yeah, 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 like yeah. it was really still just rap music, rap and, music. And, and break i mean i started breaking was my first intro to but just as a toy kid you yeah. know kids doing the worm but we were the guys who would take the boom box and the big fridge box to school and yeah. stuff and yeah. at lunch times try and do it and it was just whack but but it was 
from Rocket and Chaka Khan. And every every eighties video had ten seconds of breaking yeah, it. Yeah, certainly. Every pop song or whatever <laughs> yeah, had this yeah. little cutaway. Yeah, had a little like cutaway that. of you know a couple of dudes breaking, and yeah. it was always like, man, that's pretty cool. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, and, yeah, yeah. And even then, even after seeing like Beat Street, I hadn't really cottoned onto the culture as such. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like my biggest takeaway from Beat Street because I just kind of. Not really started buying records, but I really love music. I mean, he's got money as a kid yeah, to buy records, no, you know what I mean? Absolutely My biggest takeaway was Double K's room. The fact that he had this room with all these records yeah, and yeah, the yeah. chick would come over and, you know, he'd start playing on his fucking little bongo yeah. or whatever. And because yeah. my house was kind of the the meeting point, I guess, for a few of our neighborhood kids, you know. Yeah. So I had my little tape deck and shit. But to me, I was always like, oh, man. I want a room like that. Yeah, you dude. know what I mean. I want a room like that. That well, country, you, got, you got a better room than that yeah, today. That's what I mean. But that was like, that was the motivation. You know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, and yeah, not yeah, even yeah. putting it all together yet as as this culture and stuff. Like I said, the the graph was dope and had a little bit of experience with breaking. But again, the music was kind of like was really what I was like. Yeah, oh, shit, man, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. dope. You know. What well, I mean? dude, listen. I got to fucking like before we get too deep into things. I mean, let's fucking let's just continue this. But I should break you like break it down for people, man. Like I said, you are a foundation MC from this city that I definitely feel like like I, like yesterday when I left your place, I was just like, man, I've been ignorant to this dude's legacy for so long. I'm, I'm obviously aware of Decipher, but for those listening, you know, Dino Dino was fucking uh, uh like a founding member of Decipher back in the early '90s. They put out a cassette uh, CD demo. No, no CD. Just, just cassette, cassette. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that's yeah so you that's just, a that's a redo like 10 or yeah. 11 years later because we just decided we had to preserve it because i don't even have the proper tape like yeah, for uh, real i've got for like real. i think the master tape that i taped everything off of so yeah, it's yeah. in mad shoddy yeah. condition and stuff but you then know? but then beyond that dude just but not, not to yeah, butt yeah. in but just to fucking get in there you're obviously uh kind of like the front the mc for the you became in later later on the, the mc for the resin dogs you know and then beyond that like you are probably you know you yourself said yesterday like you may be the fucking artist to appear at more the most big day outs in this country. I was I was tinkering I was thinking yeah. about it a couple of times just because yeah like it's been Touring I mean with the dogs, dogs we were Shinky so lucky because we did yeah yeah and you know I've DJed it a bunch of times and done a guest spot there with Butterfingers how many and, big day outs have you done I, I really don't know I think the dogs we did like three nationals yeah. and maybe three east coast so that's like five gigs or something on the nationals yeah um and then the east coast is like the three gigs and so you know, it was probably like 21 or something with the dogs. And yeah. yeah, like I said, I've DJed it like three times, done a couple of guest spots with, you know, yeah, with Butterfingers and Sonoraza yeah, yeah. and stuff. And yeah. Again, so I don't even know exactly, but it's got to be like mid-20s or something. And yeah, it's just dude. because kind of local, you know what I mean? But yeah. I was wondering, is there any other bands or acts or to whatever that- have... more big day outs than 20. Yeah, like, yeah. The, I doubt it, man. Yeah, I doubt not, it very much. And the dogs much. had a good run. Like, I mean, you know, the big day out always showed the dogs a lot of love yeah, yeah. And, and vice versa because- Dog suited big day out down to the ground. Exactly, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. And yeah. moving from the they boiler. They got the footage of um, the, the 2001. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And see, that was, man, I still didn't know what the fuck I was doing then. Like, yeah. I, I've been with the dogs like a year and, and a half or mm. maybe, you know, not a yeah, year and a half or maybe two years. But I was, I was still basically rapping. I wasn't the front man then. I wasn't hyping. Like, Dave was always the front man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? He was, he was like, kind of like the center. The yeah, because he was front the, and center. Like, that was right. the whole difference with that band as well. Like, yeah. usually you have the singer or whatever at the front, and Dogs had the drummer 
front and center of the That's stage. Right. You know what Straight I mean? Up. Like that, that in and of itself. And the dude was standing up. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what that I mean? wasn't something that you saw, man. No, like him and him and the dude like, from a group called the Fireballs years ago. There used to be this punk rockabilly group called the Fireballs, and I think they were out of Melbourne, maybe Sydney. I can't remember, but he used to stand up and drum. And then when I saw Dave Atkins, who stood up and drummed, oh, it's a cool ass look. Yeah, you can't right, front, yeah. man. Yeah, well, fuck and yeah. the thing is, we used to joke about the dogs. Every time the dogs would do a lap of the country, and then the next lap we would do whatever band that was supporting us, the drummer was standing up. There's so many other bands like took it up, like where the drummer would start standing up and we were just like. <laughs> yeah. But then see, even pre like the resin dogs and shit, like yesterday, we we're going through so many flies and stuff. Like you go back to the towering Inferno days, decipher, dust cipher. That, they, <laughs> the they, cipher. That, yeah. Like the towering Inferno days with lazy gray and all that sort of shit. Like we the mid 90s. pretty much the only two crews doing gigs that's it stuff, that's you know it I mean? dude like that's it and much. i cannot believe that i have been like you know maybe it's just growing up out on the south side and whatever you know like and, you know I yeah mean, but like i told you i didn't put out any music that'll it. do it as well man yeah, yeah, like yeah, you yeah. know i didn't put anything out so yeah. that was that's the biggest like that's why it's always kind of not an honor or whatever but i love talking to old school dudes who even have you know some idea of those days because like i said man i didn't release shit i didn't you know i don't do digital media or social media yeah. although i've always wanted to start a digital archive just again because i've got shows and shit and old school videos that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. they're just not available so you're, not on, like, you're not on social media are you i'm totally offline dude bro. Hey, like man like the shit you could fucking post the sh like the, yeah bro, that, this dude like fuck that's man. what i mean I'd, I'd love to do it like i said if you find that it guy man send mm. him to me i'll give him a bunch of work you know seriously hand your phone to trav and he'll download instagram to it and set you up a fucking account yeah. like <laughs> fuck dude's always do it now. dude's always like man you're not on facebook and stuff you're not on this and man it's kind of started from the myspace days like yeah, yeah. because because dogs were touring quite a bit and when MySpace hit, you know, all of a sudden that was the hip thing for everyone to have like a MySpace, you know. So yeah. every single person you would meet would be like, dude, check out my MySpace, check out my MySpace. And again, I wasn't computer literate anyway. So you'd always be like, yeah, yeah, but you never really have any intention. Did you ever do it? Doing... Did you ever do no, MySpace nothing, even? Nothing, nothing ever. No. Nothing. <laughs> Just, uh, man, I hate computers. Uni fucking made me hate computers. Yeah, I yeah. fucking hated them. Yeah, yeah, I would do my assignments and I'd be up at like three or four in the morning and you'd go to move a paragraph or something and lose fucking all your assignment. And, oh, and, and I'd just be like, I just want to pick this fucking thing up and throw it out the window, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I got no aptitude for it whatsoever, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, you know? Yeah. like. Uh, so I hate computers. I'm like to the point where I'm phobic about it. I mm. hate even when I put stuff onto a computer. Like Jeff showed me how to basically archive my tapes. He gave me a file. He's like, "Look, do this. Press record. Press play. It's pretty fucking easy." Yeah. So that's the one thing I can do. But even then, every time I do it, I'm always worried that I'm gonna like delete the whole shit or yeah, lose it. And it's just like, oh, dude, me and Dean, me and Dino were sitting there, fucking Jesus Christ, after fucking skinful, and we're going, we're like searching files for these old like <laughs> '90s fat tape fucking freestyles. You trim lazy yeah, yeah. from like '94. Yeah, and this shit. is good shit on there, dude. Like, like this kind of has an archive, motherfuckers, that like we need to get into because there is so much fucking history there, and there is, and it's your history. History, bro it is your history you know that yeah. you have that you have given us man and like just to just to have you in the studio with us man it's a fucking honor bro. oh man like, it's my fucking honor no <laughs> i fucking appreciate your time man and like you've always been in the back of my mind like i've always thought fuck i need to get dino on the podcast but i never i never knew really to, who to reach out to and like you know i just sort of you know one of no social media see that's it dudes bro. do that to me all the time it's like man you're not on facebook you're not on this that's it's it. like man whenever dudes like even for dj gigs it became kind of a run and gag they would always end up phoning the Bowery management. Like, we're looking for Dino and we can't find him and stuff, you know. Do you have a number for It was funny, like, one time a, a, a person came into the Bowery when I wasn't there 
and a mate of mine was there and he was kind of hitting up the bartender of like, look, I'm trying to get in contact with Dino and mate just was like, what do you want Dino for? Here, man, I'll hook you up. Here's his number and shit. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it's probably cost me a mountain of work yeah. over the years, but it's just something I'm not prepared to do. Oh, I dude, hate the whole social media. It's, it's, man, life's hard enough without bro, with, without that added fucking stress. You dude, know what I mean? stress and the fucking like it's 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 an external force on you. Yeah, now. man. Like, like it, it is. Just, it, dudes become preoccupied. Like yeah, it's bro. your whole life. Like yeah, even, yeah. man, I only just recently got an iPhone and shit and you know, you yeah. get sent shit. Yeah. All day, every day you get sent shit. I mean, I'm I'm always trying to real quick delete you know, it doesn't matter if it's Qantas or Virgin or JB. Every place you ever buy something, all of a sudden, man, they're just smashing you with yeah. like. <laughs> what are you getting emails and shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like emails, special offers. Here's yeah. this, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Because because they always want your phone number for the receipt. Now they're always yeah. like, give us your phone number for the receipt. As soon as you give them the phone number, man, that's it. Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. over, you yeah, know. Yeah. And I hate it. And I look at my inbox and there's only like two hundred and stuff. And my wife's like, I've got like four thousand because she signs <laughs> up. She actually signs the up to all those rewards programs. <laughs> yeah. You know, every place you shop, they're always like, Are you a member? Would you want? To become a member, I'm like, nope, nope. no hell, nope. fucking no, no Woolworths card, no fucking Dan Fuck Murphy's shit, card, man. none of that shit, Fuck man. All like, that shit, dude. You know they know enough about us already. Yeah, man. You don't up. need to know what day of the week I buy my motherfucking Fruit Loops, bro. Like, they're all yeah. over us, man. They are fucking all over us. And like me, man, like you know, doing this podcast, like it's forced me to engage with social media a lot yeah. more. But even come the weekend, like come, fucking- it has a lot of advantages. I don't, I don't mean to rag on it. Like, and it's a, yeah. it's a great thing. There are That's a, a lot of tool. advantages. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's but come the weekend, bro. Like I just fucking man i just fucking shut down i'm just yeah. like fucking it's over for the it's weekend now man. i'll fucking I'll, I'll try and pump the social media from fucking monday or you know from tuesday to friday or whatever yeah, yeah. and then friday rolls around and fucking boom it's oh, i don't even Turn you know shit off, you're on bro. there you look at it but like it's just like man fuck i could not be fucked you know yeah. you just, it's just it's just too all-encompassing you know what is, i mean bro. the volume i mean it's kind of tied with the whole digitalization even of music like there's like when we were kids yep. like we we're saying there's there's fuck all brisbane hip-hop tapes you could yep. basically have every brisbane hip-hop tape if you went into rocco mm. once a month and mm. check the rack you could basically yep. have every brisbane hip-hop release yep. and, and even to a lesser extent hip-hop like that's our group of mates at high school that's what we did like some dude was into epmd and some other dude was we were into pe and iced tea so like dude i'll, I'll tape you this iced tea album if you tape me that epmd yeah, and yeah. even even though you couldn't have everything but if you had a kind of schooled group of mates you could pretty much stay on top of yeah, what was up. happening in hip hop. You know up. what I mean? Like, it wasn't that glut of material. Whereas now, I think I read a statistic, and it's probably totally wrong, but there's something like four thousand albums a day or something put online. Jesus you know what I mean? Like, there's no Christ. physical way in your lifetime you could ever listen to the amount of music that comes out now. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not even a goal. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's an impossible goal. It's the yeah. same with YouTube. I heard something about YouTube. There is a, what is it like a, a year broken down into minutes uploaded per day to YouTube. Or something like that. It's just like, where the fuck? Like, where's it all? Like, I mean, obviously there's mil, mil, billions of people on it. Yeah, but yeah. Like, really? Like, who the fuck? Yeah, I think, I think it's something like the equivalent of nine thousand years a day. Oh, like, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah, yeah, people yeah. spend on, yeah. like, it, the, the time, the collective time that people spend online and shit. It's crazy, man. Nuts, it's man. crazy, dude. Well, dude, listen, man. Because, like, fuck, we've already kind of we're gonna go everywhere with this shit, man. Like, what is it? Found the decipher for Triple Z Part Two. Decipher oh, demo for Triple Z. Um, decipher history ninety five dot wave. Um, Do they play? Because that was the thing. Yes, we could get them to play. Because I'm transferring them. Uh, Anything that says basically like the hip hop show or something. Like I said, there's a bunch of freestyle sessions with Lazy and with Tram and 
with a few other dudes, yeah. and local cats and stuff. So, but one, see, like for once the, it transfers, I can actually for the history have a books. Dino's been around with everyone, man. Like all the crews in this city. Like I was going through his photo albums yesterday. He's performed with Warcry. He's performed with anyone that came to this city. Kuro back in the day, Tram back in the day, Lazy Brad, the, up to, through the riders and on through all that era up towards the you know up to the resin dogs and that. You've been there since fucking day dot, dude. Like yeah, I was, pretty much since the inception. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I always kind of look at it as like I'm like the the second and a half generation. Your first generation was like your ransoms, your catch, yes. your casino, yep. your perils, you know, your yep. sound unlimited, yep. Death Wish cast. These, to me, they're the, the kings and the old school dudes, you know. And then I was just through fortune of, you know, being the right age at the right time, you know what I mean, that yep. kind of – and like I said, it was very little things like discovering the hip-hop show and discovering Rocking Horse, just those two little factors, yeah. you know, because I was like – like I think we, we spoke about it yesterday, like – the Sound Unlimited tape was the first. Uh, the oh, first. Tell, tell people. To tell the people listening. Oh, okay, yeah. Sound Unlimited posse, uh, like a, a fundamental, like the first. What the first that, Australian? I think one of the first groups signed, signed to a major yeah, label. Yeah, they they supported. Iceland I think they were called Westside Posse or something. Okay. Even before that, yeah. on that Down Under by Law compilation. Yep. One yep. of the first vinyl. Yeah, I yeah, think that was the first early. vinyl thing. Well, and because I recently corresponded with Rosano through a mate. He painted the cover of that Rosano, and he's like, "Oh, I, I think I still got the big bits of plywood and stuff that I wow. painted that down under by Lawthorn. I mean, that's got to be worth some fucking yeah, loot or dude, something for real." But yeah, so I discovered that just through going to music stores that that little four track tape that kick into the undersound single, yeah, and uh, and they were doing that nice price thing when they're trying to move shit and they sell it for ninety nine cents and stuff. And so I bought it and I listened to it. We had like a school excursion to Stanthorpe, so for fucking three hours down, three hours back. I just listened to this tape <laughs> fucking nonstop. And then when I came back, because we were all such rap music heads, I was like telling everyone, man, look, this is rap music, but it's Australian dudes, man. Yeah, and yeah. so anyway, I ended up buying probably in excess of 30 or 40 copies of that thing because it was 99 cents. I would go into the record store, Brashes or whatever the fuck 13, it was. And, 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 I would go, and I would go, <laughs> oh, man, do you have any more of these? And the dude would look in his little tray and go, yeah, yeah, we got – 10 or 12 or something. I'm like, I'll take them all. And dude's like, what the fuck do you want all of them for? I'm like, man, it's great. I'll just give it to people and shit. So the yeah. CD singles, I think I bought, yeah, 20 of the, the tape singles. I bought like 20 of, just gave them to every single person I knew going, dudes, you need to check this shit out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah, man, it was, it that was, was my introduction to, yeah. to local hip hop. You know it was the mean? first time I was yeah, like, like, I was aware. And, you know? and like I said, they weren't even like, Code Blue had probably the most Aussie voice mm. out of all of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it was still it was still distinctly Australian. Yeah, I mean, yeah. fuck that track samples land down under. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah, exactly. work. So yeah, yeah. it doesn't really get much fucking more Aussie than that. Yeah, for real. You know, and just through that, and then it was a pretty quick secession with um But then they went up coming out and performing out at Red Bank, didn't they? Well, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> uh, there was an under 18s club that we used to go to called Prowlers. And uh it was a, like a once a month thing at the PCYC out there. And yeah, they um they ended up getting a gig there, and this was '92, and uh, and like I said, I just recently managed to pseudo touch base with Rosano through a friend, and I was joking with him, look, mate, I'm pretty sure I got you guys that gig, man, because <laughs> they're looking at their stat sheets and go, man, in Ipswich, you guys are selling really <laughs> well. That's a massive in Ipswich, man. Like, you need to go and do a show out there and shit. So I've got my little postcard that they signed for me and all that kind of shit, yeah. which was again was massive for me, you know, because yeah, even at that point, I'm. They got maybe started writing rhymes, but they were shit. And I, and I had no real inclination to do it. I was still more a fan yes. than anything else, you yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. then after having the experience with Al with 2D where 
what you can make music mm. like, fuck, we can make music this is all right we got to get started in this and uh so like i said we had a bungalow similar to this but nowhere near as nice and we used to just hang out there and drink beers and start tagging on the walls and shit like that yeah, and yeah. um dan who owned who, whose parents place it was he um he became an apprentice chef and so he met a graffiti writer by the name of rel one Roy, I think he wrote something else later on. Yeah, yeah. And he might have been a year or two older than us. Maybe, maybe our same age. But he came around one day and he brought Deathwish Cast, The Matters of Hatter EP. Yeah. And fuck. And changed that, was, that, that changed everything yeah. for me. That, yeah. ch- like, you know, here were these dudes, just the sound of it, that, that EP is fierce. Yes. You know what I mean? And yeah. like I said, we just pseudo started messing with cans, pseudo started, we probably recorded four songs or something just on <laughs> tape decks. And, we still had the fake American accents as many dudes yeah. who started then because that's all you were attuned to hearing and yep. stuff. And and after that, so the first four or five songs we did, there's two versions of all of them because there's the pseudo-American version, then there's the post-Deathwish cast version yeah, where yeah. me and Al had an actual meeting. I was like, right, that's it, man. No more ass. It's ass. <laughs> you know, no more this. And I was telling you, I used to train. I'd listen to the like an Ice Cube record yeah. and be in my car and try and do it all in Australian to figure out what words were different and what what you had to say. And straight away, I kind of loved the Aussie accent. I thought in a lot of instances, it sounded better. Yeah, it yeah. was more kind of, you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. ass, like yeah. kick your ass. It was like, I'll kick your ass, man. Like yeah. it was, it's just, it's just more forceful, you know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. so, yeah. yeah, that was kind of the start. And he, he kind of, well, because he also, I think, Maybe I knew Rock and Horse, but I hadn't. I wasn't really record shopping in record stores. It was more like, like I said, brashes and yes. stupid shit like that. Of course. And again, no license and traveling and shit. Yeah. So I was like, where did you get this, man? And he told me. So the next day, the very next day, I went to Rock and Horse and God bless, they had it. And so I was just like, and that was, yeah, that was the beginning of the end, man. I played that album for fucking a year and a half. How was that first trip into Rocking Horse, dude? Like, I still remember the first time I saw Rocking Horse. It's records. insane, man. Yeah, dude. It was, it was like totally mind Because I was the same, man. Like, I came from the southern suburbs where we had a Brashes, a Chandler's, and whatever. Mm. And the, probably the best record store to my knowledge, like, you know, to my knowledge at that time was, uh, it was Central called- Station as well, maybe? Central Station. But on the south side, we had one at Garden City called, um, what was it called? Fucking Sunflower Music or something like that? Or Sunflower? Sunrise music yeah, or some shit. I think shit. I have a vague recollection. And they of had that. all the tapes across the wall with photocopy covers because cunts go in there and pinch Rack the covers and yeah. shit, you know? Like, so all the tapes with photocopy covers and shit. And I just remember finding that spot one day, just walking, being at Garbo, you know, and just fucking going in there and just being like, holy fuck. Yeah. Like, you know, this is fucking, this shit's on brashes. But then, you know, in my early teens, taking a trip into town and seeing fucking rocking horse skinnies, yeah, yeah. central, you know, like fucking those places. See, at that man. stage, if I'd go into the city, I was just going to Las Vegas, yeah, play yeah. video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play pinball and shit. I wasn't yeah. that heavy enough or clued up enough to check out for the record stores. Mm. You know what I mean? Most of the records I bought up to the end. Yeah, again. Well, records for me as well. How I first got into buying a record, I figured out that seven inches were like two dollars, two dollars fifty or something. Mm. And so for all my mum's and dad's birthday and stuff, or Mother's Day or Father's Day, it was the best present ever. Whatever <laughs> my mum or dad's favourite song was at that time, yeah, yeah. I was going buy them seven. $2.50, yeah, yeah. mate. Mother's Day sorted. Done. You know done, what I mean? Done. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The cheapest some scratchies kind of like totally, fucking man, Jesus totally, Christ, you know? <laughs> St. Elmo's Fire and shit yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, dude, fuck, getting into Decipher, man. Like, you know, I mean, fuck, we're going to go everywhere in this, man. Like, you know, catching up with you yesterday, bro, it was just like, it was like, damn. Like, it was... You know, I was telling the boys before, it was a fucking, we recorded, we 
we did an episode yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just much. sitting there, man, just fucking catching up with one another and shit and just that history The uncensored version. Yeah, pretty much, man. But, like, fuck, Decipher's Blurred Visionaries, bro. You've handed me a copy of it, man. I'm honoured to have this copy. I've got to fucking have a proper listen to it. I remember hearing bits and pieces of this years ago. But, like, man, tell us about making this shit. Like, you know, um, like... So it was basically done all on a Tascam 4-track. Yeah. Um. So, again, we were still just recording ta- tracks to tape decks. Yeah. You know what I mean? And at that point... Dan had a little mixer that had like three seconds of sample time or some shit in it. So, and, and again, Alex was making music, but the computer, put it this way, his computer, I think it was probably his parents' computer, mm. so it wasn't in the studio or anything. Yeah, he yeah. would make music at his house and put it on a tape and then we would bring, have like two tape decks. And and so we were really not schooled in in music tech. And it, it, about as low fi as you can get, yeah, realistic yeah. mixers, fucking tandy yeah. mics and shit like that. And... uh then, so we'd recorded songs, but just to tape. And then during uni, I think Al's first year of uni, maybe second year in 94, we met up with Josh yeah. and he was kind of a musician. I think he played, he played guitar and he, he played instruments. So he was a little bit schooled on more music tech and he introduced us to four track recording. Mm. So all of a sudden, and then we all went thirds. We bought this Tascam four track and stuff and, and it was just all learning trial by trial and error and stuff, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And um, and again, I was the least of the crew because I always had Al, yeah. you know what I mean? He was he was kind of the tech guy to use the term loosely and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just more into buying records and finding loops and stuff like that. Even then, like there's a couple of tracks that me and Al did one day. We were like, man, we've got to do a couple of tracks. But the only way we really knew how to do them was loops and mm. stuff. And we wanted to do them in two takes. So we did one take where we'd loop the beat on a tape mm. and then we do one take with the vocals like even on that you'll notice there's very few backups there's no like yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no backups there's no accents on any of the tracks because because we didn't have the space to do it you know what i mean on the yep. four track and stuff yep. you know two tracks would be the beat and then you'd have one track for your main vocals even to the point where we got pretty good at you know oh there's nothing on track two after a minute and a half or something so you could kind of mix on the fly but the danger with that was it had where you could change between the tracks what track you were recording on. Yeah. But then on the end of that was four channel record, which would record over all of the tracks. Fuck. So like sometimes yeah, so we'd try and be smart and, and yeah, and we would hit it. And on that even there's a couple of a cappella bits that were because we fucking hit four channel record and we wiped our beat and stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah. they came they came out all right in the end, you know, because they yeah. were kind of at least on time a little bit. Yeah. And there's even a, a bit on that where when 2D would shut his computer down like the program would be like sensational and stuff. And one time we were still recording when he shut his computer down. So in one of those tracks, you can hear in the background, sensational, but it's kind of in time. So it was like, oh, wicked. You know what I mean? yeah, like, yeah. But it all, worked. It's just trial and error, man, like yeah, I said. Yeah. And Josh was kind of instrumental in, in um, yeah, kind of schooling us a little bit. Because computers, like this was pre-CD burns and it was right in that cusp where, computers weren't really the shit that they are now. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. It, it was, yeah. you know, it, in, and in the next year or two after that, that was when the internet started. And well, music production was still a real tangible thing, wasn't it? It was still Samplers, very hands-on. Yeah, yeah, you know? totally, exactly. man. And I joked about that a while ago. In those earlier years or even towards the mid-90s and later 90s, every dude's studio was different. Mm. Like I don't know if you've ever been to BBAs in Adelaide. Yeah, of course. Like, man, yeah, dude, man. his studio yeah. was one of the first ones. was like man, he had all these different samplers yeah, and dude. all these different machines yeah, that right. did different things and it was always like like 
every dude's studio, you went had a different keyboard or a different this, and now you basically go, every studio looks the same. Yeah, dude. It's, BVAs was the first time I ever saw what I thought was a proper studio. Yeah, it man. wasn't a bedroom yeah. studio. Yeah, you yeah, know, we went dope. down there when Lays was recording Band in Queensland. Oh, sick. And sick. we saw that, and we heard tracks before it was dropped, released and shit, and Oath, we were there. I'm probably told the story in the past, but we were there when Oath spat his verse. We wrote his verse on the spot for Pain With Blood and fucking spat that. And I remember just being in that studio. And Lays, I think Lays was standing there for three weeks making it because that was the proper studio. I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. they made Stone Broke down there as well. Oh, man. Shit. Like, BBA as well. He was always such a helpful dude. Like yeah. he put Shiggy Row up a couple of times in the early years. Yeah. Whenever the dogs would go to Adelaide, we'd always end up at BBA. Well, he place. remixed Shiggy Row and shit too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. To Northwood? Uh, yes, yes, he yeah, did. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So you go. yeah. <laughs> Fucking you know it better than I do. Oh, bro, man. Like, fuck, man. I'm about this history, bro. And that's what I want to get into with you, dude. I mean, Decipher, how were you guys fucking, I mean, I suppose it's a stupid question being that there was only like fucking, you know, like what, three, four crews in Brisbane, but like getting all those gigs at that point in well, time. Well, fr- that was pretty much Frenzy. I think Frenzy yeah, okay. moved up here in like 94 or something yep. like that. Yep. And um, and so we had a loose association with Catch through the hip hop show because we were those kids who would always call up and try and get shout outs and yeah. stuff on a Friday night and stuff, try and get a name on the radio and and uh, were you Dino back then? Still, yeah, you were yeah, Dino? yeah, yep. yep. And uh, and so, <laughs> yeah, and so Frenzy came up on the scenes. We met Shannon. He's a super nice guy and stuff. Mm. And like I said, because this was kind of pre CD burn technology, we couldn't really do shows. Yeah, like like Market Day '95 was the first proper show. I think we'd done a open mics in the Triple Z and yes. stuff. And we, I think we'd even rapped at a couple of the clubs that Catch and Frenzy were doing, but just. Not nothing proper, not not yeah, shows yeah. or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the one of the, yeah, Market Day '95 was our first real gig, and that was pretty much all on Frenzy because he, like I said, he he um helped like he you know he could do that shit live. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. a real hip hop DJ. You know yeah. what I mean? But so yeah. it was still rapping over other dudes' instrumentals. It was still, you know, it was still very OG hip hop. You know yeah. what I mean? Two turntables and a mic. Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. and I don't know when it kind of crossed over. Somewhere after that, Frenzy got a, a, a fucking DAT player. Yeah, yeah. Which kind of changed everything. I don't even think we ever used fuck, it. Like, we've said this in the past, but how intrinsic to fucking everything is Frenzy? Man? Yeah, man. He, like, he to, was... have had that, to, to have had that impact along the East Coast, like, such an impact from yeah. state to state, from Melbourne to, like, you know, now he's located in Sydney, but from Melbourne to Brisbane and then to Sydney. Like, it's 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 amazing, man. He's he, he's mentioned on this podcast fucking Oh, man, so he, he schooled me as well so much. When I met Frenzy, I was still obsessed with Australian hip-hop. And yeah. like you are saying, there was none. Yeah. There was, there was basically none. And so I was like, Frenzy, man, have you got any other Aussie hip-hop and stuff? And I remember he made me a tape, and it was like AKA Brothers, Intense Quality, Park Bench Royals. Wow. Um, Maybe had something else on it. Mama's Funksticles or something. Mama's Funksticles, yeah, yes, yeah, that was also yeah, on it. And yeah. so, and like again, just, just that, that one era, tape that... was. I'm sure, I'm sure I've still got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Of like, <laughs> because it was just phenomenal to me. And like yeah. I said, from then, kind of discovering Rock and Horse. And you know, Rock and Horse had the little Aussie section. Yeah. It was only like five records yeah, in dude, it, ever in or whatever. Nothing so I would there. go into Rock and Horse every week, and whatever was there, I'd buy it sight unseen. Yeah. I wouldn't even listen to this shit. Yeah. So in the Aussie bin, I'm buying it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what, like I showed you with my Aussie collection, that's why up to the early 2000s, I don't think there's you many Oz hip hop releases I'm missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. know what I mean? And even at that stage, because I was still DJ, I'd buy two copies of everything. I got my two copies of Boney and Stoney. I got my two. Co- the only thing I never bought two copies of was the first um, Hoods thing. Oh, true. I don't back know once why. Because yeah, because that uh, uh, was it. Back once again. Yes, back once yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So I don't know why, because there was a few. I remember there was always a few copies of that in there, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Isn't it bugged out what used to show up? Like I remember going up into Rocking Horse. I already had a copy of Boney and Stoney, and I picked up another copy for fucking thirteen dollars out of a fucking second. Wow. Bed. See, that's you nuts, know? isn't it? And but that's the same story. Like I remember when I first started getting into it myself. Like you know, probably ninety eight, ninety nine, whatever it was, when I first started rapping and stuff and going up there. Like the the handful of relief, man. Firstly, it was mostly cassettes or yeah, wax. Yeah. It was yeah. one or the other. Like yeah. you know, there was, a, there was I think it was a handful of CDs, obviously, but you know, it was mostly cassettes and shit. That's what I was picking up initially, and then I. Started uh, then you know I suppose the first run of Obese Records you know so I think yeah like yeah, the, yeah. Re the first Reason album and then you know there was that slew of releases that came off the back of that yeah, you know yeah. then that that was when you know that I don't know to me that were everything like much the same you know much the same yeah and that's when I back back catalogued and started catching yeah, up yeah, on yeah, what totally. came prior I got lucky a couple of times as well like I ran into Ransom in a record store in Melbourne as he was putting some AKA twelves in there like I think he found a box at his mum under his mum's house or Jesus. something so this was already a few years after it came out. Yeah, you know. Oh, hey Phil, how you going, man? Hey, what are you doing? Oh, I, got, I found these old AKA records and put them. I was like, I'll take three, dude. Give me yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. And, and the same thing happened with Lazy when he was putting um, uh, Stone Broke, I think, in in a rocking horse. I, yeah. I was up there and ran into him as he was coming up, and he had the green and the gold ones. That I think there was only five of each or whatever, yeah, and yeah. then a black one. So I was like, dude, give me one of each, man. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I'll take one of each. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah. stuff like that. I've been kind of lucky a few times. You know what I mean? Yeah, like dude. getting in on the, and again in the late years uh, working at Butterbeats. That's why you were saying yeah, with access. the 750 stuff and that because you guys would bring that into the store. Yeah. Oh, you when got three it, copies of the 750 Well, man, 12. that's what I would do is because you guys would bring it into the store. Yeah. I always had first grab at it. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, man. And like yeah. I said, because I wasn't, I would just basically spend my day's wages on records. So, like I said, Casino didn't have to pay me for like three years. <laughs> I was just taking all my yeah. wages in wax. Throw it in wax. So that's why I said, like, whenever you guys would bring, same as with your seven inch that I told yeah, you. We were yeah, telling yeah. the story yesterday. Yes. The dude who came yeah. in and only wanted the T-shirt. He just wanted the T-shirt, you know, out of the pack and stuff. He's like, yeah. oh, I don't have a record player, man. I just want the T-shirt and shit. I was like, well, dude, I'll get halves. I'll buy the fucking seven inch, man, and you can have the T-shirt. Like, <laughs> that's man. it. That's it. And you see, man, the, the impact Run DMC. You know, just going back to what you said before, my album, man. Run Run DMC and then the seven inch also we had that Run DMC through that theme you know yeah the homage and stuff yes yeah, yeah. we pulled out um tougher than leather and we're looking at the coolism cover and yeah, how yeah. perfectly it lines up man like you know Run DMC was so fundamental to all of us you yeah, know yeah. like what's you know to me you and yeah. so many others you know like was, yeah, fucking that, amazing it was just so fucking dope yeah dude yeah, just like that's basically it, you know what I mean? like, bro I wanted to fucking ask you because I did take a couple of photos of some flyers like there was some fucking flyers on your wall and I wanted to ask you about some of these gigs I'll just show you like they're decipher shows. And I'll post these for people. I mean, I always say I'll post shit and fucking <laughs> half the time I don't, but I fucking I intend to post this shit. But like this cool out, ZB cool out, catch David B, Hams, Cam Schwa, Lenny, Tyrone, Frenzy, Towering Inferno, and the Cypher. Yeah, so that's the market day one. Is that the market that's day? The market that's day the market day at Musgrave about. Park. That's yeah. fucking man, like this flyer. Like I'll post this for people to see. I'll definitely without fail post this over the coming week and it's just man like you've got some like dude and I that's, swear that's what I was telling you I can't find him man but I've got mad photos of Lazy when he had the dreads down to his yeah, ass you know yeah, yeah. massive dreads and he was just killing it and yeah. uh, I got photos yeah I think of 2D walking behind some cops like doing inappropriate shit and yeah, stuff yeah, but yeah, I've got yeah. to find him man and like I said you saw I got so many boxes of shit yeah. and I, I obviously I had him in an album at one stage and then I took him out of that 
album to obviously probably show them or copy them or do something and now they didn't go back into the album i swear you could i swear you could make a small fortune reproducing some of these flyers and just you know like just going to fucking office any of those ones that are black and what or brown and yeah (laughs) black and brown dude they're like like sepia tone now yeah yeah yeah, that's it exactly that's that's about right man they're 30 year old flyers bro they're from fucking in your room uh, used to, yeah. yeah. But they're all laminated, yeah, man. Like, yeah. he's laminated everything. And it's amazing how pristine some of these joints are kept. Like, I was just like, wow. He's got one from what fucking, what's the one from like 92 or whatever it is? I think I took a photo. Is that the Westline story? The Westline story. But how's this, man? How's this? i got to post this too. Like, the Resin Dogs on the cover of Time Off on September 11, 2001. Blast off. Yeah. That's what this shit says. <laughs> September 11, I, 2001. I only blast noticed that off. like in the last year and stuff. Like I was just looking at it How and I was like, fuck it. September 11, 2001. That's oh, hanging shit. in, that's hanging in, that's hanging in, in Dino's fucking bathroom. In the yeah, behind the door. And it's just like he pointed out and I'm like, yeah, fuck, man. September 11, 2001. And on the cover is a rocket and it <laughs> says blast, blast off <laughs> with the resin dogs <laughs> on it. It was just like, holy <laughs> shit, man. That is some fucking shit, dude. Like, yeah, that's crazy. Bro, shit. some amazing history. And like, Going back to the Aussie hip hop releases, I mean, they were, they, you know, there was only however many crews even by the late '90s into the early 2000s. So you could stay up on those releases, man. You could get Straight those releases. You could be in. You yeah. could go to, you know, yeah. if you were like us, who'd be in Rocco every week. That's you know, it. Religiously, that, we would make that, that pilgrimage. The, you'd stay up on every release. Totally, easy, totally, exactly. Easy. And I mean, you probably got to the point as well where that was the first thing I was always checking. Oh, for real? That was the reason for I was real. going up there more, more than even buying DJ and, records or anything. And do you know like, what? Even to the point that I remember going to Adelaide with Oath in 2002 for the Culture of Kings two launch. I was yeah. Yeah. Fight man and whatever and I remember going down there and all cunts down there were getting jaded they're like oh, I'm not even fucking picking up Aussie hip hop shit anymore like this is O2 yeah, yeah, and like, I was still I, I was still amped off the shit man and amped off what the scene was growing into yeah, yeah, you know like, it was getting fucking, pro it was, it was turning it was pro, turning you know, pro like, man like straight up it had gone from budget like that kind of punk rock ethic of do it yourself and yep. make it yourself And I mean that's why the decipher tape as well it, I never even got that made at like a tape place. I didn't know. Like I always thought, man, you had to be signed to get shit made by a proper company or something. So of they course. were all basically like handmade in my bedroom. I cut the fucking the inserts out and I cut everything out. And yeah, yeah, they yeah. were just budget and stuff. And like I said, even get trying to get 46-minute tapes, man, I cleaned out the greater Brisbane area. I remember driving <laughs> as far as like Capalaba and stuff. Again, calling like Brashes going, do you have any 46-minute tapes? And they'd yeah. be like, yeah, we've got like, 15 or something. I'm like, I'm going to take all of them. I'll be out there in an hour. You some know what TDKs, I mean? Some TDKs, some BASPs, some fucking whatever the fuck they Well, were. I think in one of those <laughs> albums too, I think our tape was like 46 minutes and 15 seconds or something. And so I'm trying to figure out how to get like the 15 seconds off the tape. Like yeah, yeah. how do I fucking do I fade something out or do yeah. we not have any gaps in the tracks? Like how are we going to do this and stuff? It was full do it yourself. And just to say like, again, I think I told you, fucking Toby G sold his for 300 bucks. Yeah, that's bugged a year out, or two hey. ago. That's bugged out. I mean, that's, that's bugged out, man. <laughs> <laughs> Trip me the fuck like, out. Like, fuck, dude. One of my mates sold a copy of that four. You had four copies or three copies of the four element effect casino, you know, the, yeah, the, yeah. the that first compilation that had, you know, the hoods, Brad Strutt, fucking, yeah. I think it was the first appearance of, the, of uh, Brad's Authentic. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. My mate sold it for fucking 400 and something bucks a few years ago. Yeah, you and know? Decipher's like, on that too. There you go. Bam. We, we were the, and we're spelt wrong again. Oh, really? <laughs> spelt wrong on every yeah, single yeah, thing yeah. for the first five years. It's just spelt wrong yeah, everywhere. Yeah. And that we were a full late edition. I think Casino had it basically sewn up. And it was done. And then, yeah, he's like, man, you want to submit something? And I was telling you the story of the Lost Decipher EP through Hydra I was Funk. about to ask because I got the photo yeah. of the the drawn-up cover. I was going to ask you about it, man. Yeah, I mean, that was a full bummer. That was kind of like, again, in the year or two after Blue Visionaries. And uh, so Catch and David kind of offered 
like you know to go and record at their studio because they had a proper... so was this did you did you do that up that was just like again the the tracks that were meant to be on there yeah I can do i post this shit to social media yeah, do of course, you mind man, of course. Yeah, no. so that's basically me just trying to figure out what's going to be on there the yeah, ep yeah, yeah. and shit you know yeah figuring it out and um how are we going to do this was going to be tape cd was meant to be vinyl, vinyl. it was going to be a 12 inch that yep. was the whole thing we've got all our acapella cu- well we were looking forward to it because we were going to be able to put all our beats and our cuts and shit onto wax and yeah. kind of do proper shows now with our own beats rather than dc rap- samples and shinky bits yeah yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> that was the, the the dream, you know, yeah. to have all their own own beats and stuff on the wax, so we could actually, yeah, perform so our songs. Use them. Yeah, 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 you know yeah. what I mean. Exactly. And so we recorded, yeah, I think it was five or six tracks at at Dave and Catches, put it onto reel to reels and all that kind of stuff, and it just got lost in the source, man. How it was just, it? How was it going from like you know with two D doing the bedroom joints to working with Catch and Dave on the side? Well, it was still all two D's beats and stuff. Yeah. They would basically just. Uh, I guess engineering and recording and doing all that kind of stuff for us. Um, yeah, I mean, it was good. It was it was I was kind of discovering music. I, Shinky Row had started in '97, pretty much just when Decipher Blurred Visionaries had come out. Yep. I say come out loosely. Like I said, man, I I always say there was a hundred, but there might have only ever been ninety. Yeah, I think it was maybe only ninety tapes that I ever got to manage to put together and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, and. Um, so yeah, that led to Shinky Row, which was yeah. basically uh, Decipher did a gig with the master Jason yeah. from Smokescreen and stuff. After he just put his tape out, and uh, apparently Tiger Moth Timmy had gone to check out the master because he wanted to start a hip hop band. Yep. And again, there wasn't really any such thing at this time. That's you know, it. there wasn't bands were bands yeah. and hip hop crews were hip hop. And, and you were saying yesterday, just you know, just uh, just to just touch on this briefly as you go into it, you were saying yesterday you never had any intention to rap with a band. Yet you no. became kind of known as the MC no, zero that raps with the band. Zero. You know? Dude, by dude, the one of the funny thing, by that stage, um, because I've been rapping for five or six years, I was fucking over it, dude. Because hip hop gigs again, man, they were I like I'd had run ins with dudes. Like I said, there'd only be ten dudes at the gig. Yeah. Five of them would want to beat shit out of you. Yep. The other five would just want to battle. Yep. You know what I mean? Afterwards. And you it was like, man, I'd, I'd kinda had the jack of doing gigs. Like it was just even though we'd only done fifteen or fucking fuck all, you mm, know what I mean? But mm. they were just they were always more trouble than they were worth almost. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. they were a lot of work to put together. Like yeah. we would just spend months trying to pick instrumentals and and because me and 2D were kind of the DJs for the crew, but we were also the MCs, we couldn't DJ for ourselves, even though we figured out lots of ways like, okay, when you're rapping, I'll spin. Yeah. And when I'm rapping, you spin. Yeah. And then, you know, we roped in a couple. Of, and that's where Frenzy was phenomenal because Frenzy kind of became our pseudo DJ and he was the best DJ in the world. Word. He's a dude who could break beat on time all the time. Yeah. Like no fuck ups, no mess ups, you yeah. know. And, and again, his knowledge of records was so incredible. So he was like, be like, yeah, why don't you rap over this instrumental? Or why don't you rap over this instrumental? And like, like I said, I spent a, a little kind of year or so where me and Frenzy would hang quite a bit. Like he had a little unit at bloody, where was it? Um, near Pineapple Park. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was living Can on Mowbray Terrace or something. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so he had a little, little pad there and. And because we were both weed smokers and stuff at the time as well, yeah. you know, so just be cool, go up there, smoke weed, listen to records. And like I said, Frenzy, you know, I, I was still learning everything. I could, I mean, I could juggle and I could do things, but he could, he was the maestro. He was already, he had that shit on lock, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And like I said, he would teach us how to juggle one-handed and shit like that. And because our DJ wasn't a real DJ and stuff, he was just our third member of the crew, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh he, that's how we got turntables though. Like uh, his parents got divorced, like in 
just after we'd finished high school and mm. stuff. And as many parents do, trying to appease their kids after a divorce and stuff. So he hit his dad up for turntables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so that's how the cipher got turntables, man. You know what I mean? So Because of one parent's guilt. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it, man. Straight Breaking up, up the family. Know, it makes a, you know, it makes a lot of difference. And, yeah. and, you know, having proper decks makes the world a difference and shit as well. Oh, you know what I mean? Dude, like 100%. 100%. Is that when you first started fucking around on proper? Like um, that? Or you were yes. already on decks? I didn't have proper decks. No. I had I had a direct drive that my mum had found at, at a market and stuff. Whoa. And then yeah. I had another one that was a belt drive, but it, you could almost kind of cut on it. And plus we discovered slip mats and stuff by this time, you know, get a little bit better. But yeah, we still had shitty turntables for the first couple of years. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like that direct drive that I got, was basically the best turntable we had. Yes. And, you know, I think it had maybe plus four, minus four for the pitch. Yeah. So, again, and the other turntable didn't have pitch control. Yeah. So, things like mixing and stuff, you really had to pick tracks that mixed. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah Not exactly. like now where you can go plus 16, fucking minus 16, you know. Yeah, right. It was none of that. You had to actually, yeah, mix I mean, it. dude, that's actually something we should fucking touch on now while we talk about because you are a prominent DJ. You've had fucking residencies at Rick's Cafe here in Brisbane, the Bowery, uh, Rumpus Room, like numerous places. You've DJed around the traps. Like saying earlier, you DJed big day outs and stuff. Like you've DJed for thousands of people. You still never made the fucking switch to Serato. You're a crate. No. You're a yeah. crate carrier. No. You're a crate yeah. lugger. Again, because I hate computers so much, yeah. man. And, and again, at this stage of the game. Imagine what fucking digitizing your music could do, like, though. Like, oh, man, it'd take five lifetimes. Yeah, can't <laughs> it, it would. It would. Yeah, yeah, true. Like, <laughs> well, man, even, like, my boy Rain Man and stuff, he showed me now, like, again, they're up on DJ Tech. He has these two little, like, magnets. You guys probably know what they are. I don't know what they are. But you, it's like Serato, but they're just little magnets that you put on your turntables. Yeah. And he was showing me, he's like walking around the room going, look, man, I can scratch from like over here and stuff, Bullshit, you know, really? just by doing this and stuff. Wow. Dude, and DJ technology is uh, is is nuts. Like, um, yeah, it's crazy. And uh, Paprika, who's from like Curbside Collection and stuff, yeah. he was about one of the only other dudes who I saw spin a vinyl. And because he's a producer, I always thought he'd be super tech literate. And I was like, oh, man, you're bringing your wax. And he's like, man, this is the only way I know how to DJ. And I was like. Well, because that's for me. That's the only way I know how to DJ. Yeah. I mean, even 10 years ago when people kind of stopped using Wax and people using CDJs or Serato a little bit or those kinds of programs, you know, um, it vinyl became a point of difference. People would come up and go, oh, you're spinning vinyl, man. That's cool, you know. It's like, man, so it's the only way I know how to do it. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And it, it's not good for your back and stuff, but <laughs> it's like. But when you're doing those six-hour fucking sets. Yeah, I take way too much shit. Yeah, man. man. Like, how many crates are you taking? I was taking like six crates to Jesus my Bowery residency Christ. and stuff. Because, again, I like to be open. You know, I don't I don't have pre pre-done sets yeah. ever ever yeah dudes used to always say man you played like the same set every week it's like fuck no dude i don't ever play the same set twice you know what i mean like to me that was always important as well you yeah. know what i mean like like again um i won't mention his name just because he's a nice guy and shit but the guy who used to dj after me at rick's he would play the same set always like he you know, when he would come on, his first half hour was always his bangers. Yeah. And in the same order, mixed the same way and stuff, to the point where a few of my regulars were like, man, you got to tell this dude to get some new records and yeah, shit. Because yeah, yeah. dudes who came regularly, they knew. You know what I mean? Yeah. I never, ever wanted to fall into that trap of, dude, oh, he's playing that fucking mix again or he's playing that yeah. fucking mix again. Yeah. And I was buying records every week, so there was no real reason for me to, you know, double up or yeah, whatever. No, yeah, exactly. It wasn't until many, I mean, at Rick's, I made this shit hard for myself. I would unpack my crates every week. Yeah. You know, I didn't even keep the cream of the crop. Like basically I would take my, Rick's set was a bit shorter. It was only four hours. Yep. Um, and again, because I was playing the, the, the early set from eight till 12 when they just opened upstairs. 
I mean, I played downstairs for a year and a half doing midnight till 5 a.m. That's a fucking, yeah. Yeah, it was a hell That's of a, a shift. Set, you know yeah. what I mean? And that was after the bands always. So it was much more open. But then when I moved, kind of took over from Catch, when Catch left the upstairs room, so I started doing the early sets. So early from 8 o'clock, they'd only open the upstairs room at 8. So for the first half an hour or 40 minutes, there was nobody up there anyway. Right. Yeah. So it was always good to just try shit and yeah. play shit. And then, you know, as it gets busier, yeah. Play more out. banging tracks and stuff. Would you ever? Would you ever ride the DJ? Like you know, like if you had someone playing prior to you, or e, like you know, uh, like reversing your like your role. If you were playing prior to someone, would you leave certain records for the person playing after you? Like um, I remember we, years we, ago. I remember hearing years ago about Funk Flex playing the tunnel. You know, and any of the openers, like I think Cipher Sounds and DJ Riz and those dudes in New York, they were the openers for Flex. Yeah, and right. If they ever got their hands on like that record, Flex would be like, "I'm taking that record. That's." for fucking my, you know, yeah, like okay. Flex was all over um, it. Did you ever come across that kind of Nah, not attitude? really. Uh, the only thing kind of close was um, the Bourne Brothers and 2D and me. We did a funk night at the Empire for a while and the only kind of thing like it was we had a little list. So if you played a classic, like if you played something that, you know, we were all into, like if you played fucking Super Freak or if you played yeah, something yeah. like that, you had to write it on the list so yeah. the next dude wouldn't play Didn't it play and it. stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. But other than that, nah, like yeah, yeah. it was never really an, an issue, mm. you know what mm. I mean? Like mm. um, in the early years, again, I would just play off the back of the DJ. So whatever his last record was, you know, you'd have to find something to mix into his That's last it. record. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that can kind of suck. I, I don't do that now. Yeah, if yeah. I ever play after DJs, I'm like, stop it, silence. Now I'm starting, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Because yeah. it, it throws your whole flow and stuff because, again, they're at the height of their set, you know, their end, you know, their big crescendo and you're starting. I'm like, I've got to play for six hours or whatever now. Like I can't start off with, you know, the most banging shit in the world. you got yeah. to leave yourself somewhere to go, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, luckily at the Bowery, I was the only dude, so, you know, yeah. it, it was a great – I've had always real long DJ sets yep. and, and played real different clubs like – like we were doing that funk soul. I mean, I played Drop Zone a bit. Yes. In the early years, I yep. used to play the Shamrock, just one-offs, bits and pieces, and yep. hip-hop gigs like at Milton Bowl and stuff. And um, But then after kind of the Empire busting out, I was playing at the place next to Rick's called Trout, which was like a little, just a little bar, no dance floor and stuff. Mm. And so for that, I was playing real no dance floor music so i was just going through all my funk and soul records and finding the down tempo tracks yeah. i got to know my records so well over that kind of year and a half yeah and then how i got my job at ricks i think tiger moth was a dishwasher at yeah. ricks and yeah. so the the owner one time was saying oh man i, I want to get a dj who can play like johnny guitar watson and stuff like funky stuff yeah, and word. and i had introduced shinky road to johnny guitar watson at a rehearsal one time and they were like and timmy was like oh man Dino's the only dude I know who knows fucking Johnny Guitar yeah, Watson and yeah. all that kind of shit. And so that's how I kind of got in at Rick's and yeah. played after then and moved upstairs and yada, yeah, yada, yeah. yada. And yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, man. Like where do you place DJing versus emceeing? Are you always the MC first or is it much of a, you know, do you play both roles? Man, I never wanted to be either. Yeah. <laughs> like really, like, you know, I never gave it enough thought. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. I really, like I never wanted to be a DJ and stuff. And, and even when I started getting DJ gigs, it was only so I could get some money to buy more records. You know what I mean? Like especially never being a club DJ because clubs didn't really play hip hop yeah, and yeah. they were the records I was buying, even though I was buying all sorts of shit, but the records and music I wanted to play, like most clubs don't, don't want you to play EBMD no. or no, yeah, no, public no, no. enemy or no. whatever, you know, like that. So, and, One way you know, to clear the fucking dance. Well, DJ culture in Brisbane was 
you know, clubs had identities back then. Yes. You know, you had like yes. the Empire would do their breaks and, you know, cl- there was house clubs and, yep. and DJs, spe- you know, were specialists. Yeah, you know, yeah, house 100%. DJs played house music 100%, and stuff. 100%. You know, hip-hop DJs played hip-hop music and stuff. And yeah. it wasn't really till later in the, the 90s where it kind of became acceptable to to play different kinds of music. And, man, Cats used to always hang shit on me because I'd, I'd play – um in excess, need you tonight in the middle of my like hip hop thing. I had two copies and I used to juggle the the break at the start of it and cut it up. And and it was one of those things. People were like, hey, what the fuck? Are you playing in excess of yeah, like a hip hop yeah. gig or whatever? <laughs> and then, but now it's gone the exact opposite way where people just play pop music. Yeah, dude. People only like, that's the main thing for mine that's changed about DJing. Back in the day, you would go to see a DJ to hear new music. Yes. You would go to yes. hear shit you hadn't yes. heard before. Preach. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Like, and I've, I've had like, I remember the 100%. first time I heard Bug Frenzy play Bug Powder Dust and it just blew my mind. And, and then I became that kid who was hassling him every week. Go, Dude, play Bug Powder Dust, yeah. man, play that. And same time, I, first time I ever heard Catch play Organ Donor at Rick's by DJ Shadow. Yeah. This shit just blew me away. Yeah. But now, dudes, own, crowds only want to hear music they know. Yeah, that's it. I think I've even figured out a formula at the Bowery. I think I could get away with like one track people didn't know maybe every three or four tracks. Yeah, every yeah. three or four tracks you could throw. And I mean, I ended up having great crowds at the Bowery. Yeah. Like, you know, where I managed to get it to a point where I could pretty much do whatever I want and dudes would be into it because dudes were feeling the vibe that's and stuff, right. disco boogie and funk and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't get hassled a lot. And yeah. plus I had my no request sign. I had my <laughs> sign that said, no request, do I look like a fucking jukebox? Yeah. Right. So when dudes would come up and, man, and that's the thing. It's not that I, I don't want to play what you want to hear. When people would come up, I'd always be like, I don't generally do requests, but what do you want to hear? If yeah. I've got it, I'll play it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But as by the same token, you know, Every club now just sounds the same. Yeah, dude. The, just, the, we're talking about with Reelsy, like the homogenization through yeah, it's horrible through graffiti man. and shit. Like, yeah. and he was calling it pasteurized A one <laughs> fucking milk. You know, like yeah. that's what he was calling. It. And fucking DJ culture is is the worst now, man. You walk down the valley, non-existent. you walk down the valley, and every club sounds the same. The same. They dude. all sound the, the same. same. You know, what even I mean? when so, I fucking like when I turned eighteen, we started going out, man. You went to specific spots for, for specific, you know, and those DJs catered to that. Yeah, like, that's, that's right. That's what they did, man. That like, was it. Yeah, that was the thing. You yeah, know, bro, like, straight up. There's a difference up. between the city and the valley. Oh, straight oh, up. There's a man, huge difference. Massive difference. Huge difference like, between the city and that's the valley. That's why the valley was so dope. Yes. Like I said, you'd go to the city yeah. and they'd be playing their top 40 or pop music yeah. or whatever. You go to the valley and mm. you got drum and bass here, and you got house music here, yep. and you got hip hop here, and even punk music in some place. You know what yes. I mean? Like, yep. you, you know, that was what was dope about it. Yeah. And that was the whole scenes kind of. I mean, it was great for the scenes because you get to meet dudes who like the same shit you do, man. Yeah. That's how you meet cats. And, yeah, man, it was a yeah. That's and even back then, the city shut down at two, and the valley kept pumping till yeah, five. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like man. fuck, it dude. It was yeah. incredible, bro. How would you go reading a room? Like you know, as a DJ, how um, do you like? Is it just that innate ability of just knowing your records? And um, well, like I said, fuck, it's weird, man. Because like I kind of had been DJing for four or five years before I had to kind of really start fucking with dance floors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and my early dance floor shit was funk, basically. You know, I would yep. play funk music because that was, you know, up-tempo and, and you know, and playing after the bands at Rick's and stuff, like I could get away with more odd stuff. It didn't have to be strictly, like I think I told you, when I moved upstairs to Rick's, my rule was no four to the floor. I didn't play any house and no disco. That was mm. about it just because it wasn't stuff that I was really into. I mean, I was into house music. I was into disco because I'd kind of collect those okay. records, but okay. I didn't want to play them. They they weren't the records I wanted to play because mm. there was hundreds of dudes doing that shit. 
But with as far as reading the rooms go, it was um, I guess back then it was always just more the more people on the dance floor, the kind of faster you would yeah, get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. pretty much it, you know. Yeah. And and hits again came to help. You know, you realize there were certain songs, but yeah. hip hop didn't really have a lot of hits. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a handful of hits. You know, your Buster moves and your yes. whatever. Yeah. And again, because I wasn't really into playing commercial hip hop so much, but I mean, I've softened my stance so much. I'll play anything now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. give a shit. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. like everything. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and that's already been that way for fifteen years. Yeah, dude. Like, you know, once I, man, and that happened from a gig upstairs at Rick's one night. I was doing the whole night from nine till three. It was Anzac Day Eve. I've still got the poster for it. So. Again, usually my first hour would be real quiet because it was just opened up. But this night, at 9 o'clock, the place was packed. Pumped. Like, it was already pumping. So I was smashing, you know, I was getting tapped of records. Mm. I got to, like, midnight and I'd played, you know, 80%. But I always used to take these couple of boxes of 7 inches yeah. and I'd never play them. A lot of them was pop music and weird shit. But I'd gotten to, like, 1 in the morning and I'd had the dance hall going for 4 hours. I'd never really had such a long dance where people were dancing all night and i'm like i have played fucking basically every record i can play fuck i go to my box of sevens and i was just started playing the weirdest fucking shit i think i played like stutter rap and it tore the roof off yeah. and i played like i can't even remember what i played but they were all like pop single sevens and every kind of pop song or or up-tempo weird thing that i played people would dance more and more and more and i was just like holy shit this is it just kind of opened my eyes to like it softened my stance on hits and it softened my stance on and, and I, I really enjoyed it yeah. when people danced for the whole night. You know, yeah. it feel you feel powerful, you know. Yeah, it's for like sure. dude, I'm running this shit. You're man. curating and, a room, you're creating a, a, a feeling and energy. I mean, for I was surprised room. I managed to get away with it for because again, drop zone had dance floors and people danced. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you could still play pretty much hip hop and yes. do what you want. Yeah. Even when we did the funk and soul night, like, you know, we were playing funk and, and disco and boogie and shit so again the music lends itself to dancing you know so but again we were kind of still hardcore djs we were trying to play obscure shit and yeah. shit people didn't know we weren't yeah. in that phase yet of where you know put it this way i've always said like i've kind of gotten into disco boogie over the last 10 years from the bowery and shit yeah you can play like 10 awesome disco boogie records that are just cracking that are dope but people will not be into it you play grooves in the heart everyone gets up yeah of course you know what I mean? It's yeah, one of those things you've got to find that middle ground of, yeah. you know, kind of keeping your not cred. Cred's not the right word. Yeah, like yeah. I said, I still come from that thing. Like I want DJs to play me music I haven't heard. Yes. As much as I appreciate a hit, as much as the next man. Yeah. You know, and and like I said, I've softened my stance heaps. Yeah, you know, yeah. being the Bowery that the clientele was kind of older, you know, and it was like a lot more, lot more women. Yeah. At the Bowery than yeah. were at Ricks and stuff. Yeah. Um, so again, I, I figured out pretty early that where I was playing funk, I should really be playing like funk classics. You yeah. know what I mean? You got to like, put your shoe. You got to put yourself in the shoes of the punter. Yeah, I, you, I mean, you want them to have a good time. That's, That's right. the whole point. Like That's I'm it. here to entertain you guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think over the years, I kind of figured that out more and more. It's yeah. more about them. It's not about you, dude. Even yeah, though you yeah. are the DJ, it's not really about you. Yeah. You know, it's a symbiotic relationship. You yeah, know? certainly. You can't have one without the other, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, if dudes yeah. don't show up to your club, well, you won't be DJing yeah, there yeah, long, yeah. you know what I mean? That's and, it. And even with playing pop music at the Bowery, like I ended up, not a lot of pop music, but again, I figured out if every every three to five songs, if you throw one in that everyone knows, they'll stay on the dance floor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so, they're waiting for it. They're waiting yeah, for that yeah. jam. Yeah, you know, yeah. And they're expecting Like it. I said, man, my, I had the best crowds ever at the Bowery. Again, I was there for almost eight years. So I developed a 
pretty decent following of regulars. Yeah. And the bar is quite a small club. So again, all I ever needed was one group of regulars because they would be on the dance floor. And if you put 10 people on the dance floor already in the Bowery, yeah. people walk in and go, oh, it's cracking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, exactly. and stay, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and I kind yeah. of got blessed enough to have that every week. Every week I'd have one group of people who who were guaranteed to be into it and and they didn't care what I did. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. How long were you there for? Yeah, almost eight years. Fuck. Yeah. It's a blessing to have a residency for so long. Well, man. that's the thing. We're talking about not doing social media. I've, I've never tried to get a DJ ever yeah basically one always just flowed onto the next like yeah. after i did the empire kind of turned into the ricks and the trout thing and then pretty much the week i got asked from ricks kind of unceremoniously fucking len i'm pretty sure then one got me the fucking gig at the bowery i think wow. he knew something about it yeah, the dude yeah, yeah. who was finishing up there and yeah. len one recommended me and so within a few weeks of finishing at ricks i fucking ended up playing at the bowery yeah and then after i finished at the bowery uh, the Bourne Brothers and 2D were DJing at West End and they kind of asked me to help out there. I told you that story. Like they asked me to come and fill in one night and then they all got promptly sacked and the club wanted oh, to keep me. Which was, man, and again, like, because clubs always talk shit too because yeah. the club had called Steve up and like, oh, man, we're going to wind it down, you know, you guys, thanks for your service. You've done this long. We're going to not really do DJs and stuff. At the same week, they call me, going, man, do you want to do this every week and yeah. stuff? Was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Paul Steve. I was like, dude, I think I just ganked your residency, man. Yeah. Like, I didn't mean to, dude. Like, <laughs> And actually, speaking of Len, we should shout out Super Whatnot Bar and that because like him and um, – Paulo, like Paul and all those dudes. Doing all like, the they're still like, you know, we, we were just talking about the homogenization. If you walk through the valley, it all sounds the same. There are still little pockets. Yeah, man. How long has he been the, doing that? The selectors are still getting up monthly. Or, you know, there's weekly There's weekly selectors going and in he's there. He's been and doing that forever. Yeah. How he's, long he's been there for a while now. Yeah. 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 Him and Paul do, I think they do their like monthly residency yeah, or something right. like that. But like Paul's DJing everywhere else and all that kind of shit. And I think Lenny's still doing spots here and there. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, there are still those dudes that are still out there just, you know, picking like, you know, curating yeah. like you know even if it's just a little cocktail bar with not much room it's not oh, a dance you, as floor. a dj you love those gigs but that's got to be dope doesn't I, it I love because them, you can kind of do what you want it's yeah, not about it. getting cons dancing that's exactly right know? and that's like, what trout was trout yeah. was again no dance floor little cocktail bar yeah so and again if you play because you not don't have that pressure of the dance floor mm. you, you you're so much wider open of yeah, what yeah, you can yeah. play you know yeah, what yeah, i mean yeah. and, and as a dj that's refreshing yes yeah, dance floor is a lot of a lot of stress because again, you know, you got to keep people on the dance floor, and, and you got to go into it thinking so hard. I would imagine, man, like you know, like you're thinking it well ahead of time. Like you know, you're working all week, and then you know you've got your Friday residency or Saturday residency coming up. If it was me, all week I would be thinking, what am I picking? What am I, I taking? I, I only remember killing a dance floor once. Me and Two D had a um a four turntable thing. We did. We only did maybe three, four, five gigs, but one of them was livid. So we'd do four decks and stuff. We were called two by four. Yeah. And uh <laughs> two yeah, by four. Yeah. So <laughs> two before. So we played at Livid and we couldn't get in and we were running late. So it was a real stressful day, you know. We hadn't yeah, man. We hadn't got our passes or what the fuck ever, but we basically had to run in, set up. But it was cool. We were playing in one of the big rooms, you know, the big tents, and we were playing kind of a mixture of up tempo hip hop and breaks, and 2D was always mad schooled on breaks and uk funk that uk kind of funky breakbeat up-tempo hip-hop shit yeah he was on that shit way before i was and um so we would play like a track each we we're basically mixing four turntables at a time we'd have two tracks going and cut and stuff and and 2d was he was it was kind of more as his part he was smashing it all mm. these dudes started breaking and stuff so we had not only the dance floor, we had the breaking circle and dudes were fucking getting into it i'm like perfect man this gives me a chance to drop rock steady crew and i drop rock steady crew 
and the dude's just all left. Not only the breakers in left, they must have been too young for it or whatever. Because I think I played Uprock or whatever. Yeah. But it basically it killed the breaking circle and it killed the dance floor and everyone walked around. And I remember Al just looking at me like, what the fuck did you just do, man? Like, I'm like, fuck, I'm sorry, dude. It was one of the only times I ever remember really like just like getting it wrong. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like getting yeah. it so yeah. I thought, man, breakers, Rocksteady crew, we're doing old school, this will work. And yeah. Just, nah. No. Just the wrong wrong Nothing. dudes. Just Nothing. the wrong fucking bunch of dudes. <laughs> Man, fuck you. We're we out. And Al, seriously, is looking because I think that was probably one of the first big fest. I mean, Al had DJed a lot around the chats, but I think that was probably one of the first big festivals he DJed. Yeah, I'm sure he was enjoying it. I'm sure he was enjoying having all these motherfuckers rocking and yeah. Al just wrecked it. That's gotta be that's <laughs> gotta be a fucking feeling. Emptying a boiler room or some shit. Oh, you know, dude, like it was, fucking it was, every couple. It was exiting the boiler room. It was painful, man. It was really. I felt horrible, man. I was watching everyone walking off. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck did you do, dude? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, dude, okay. So, I mean, we'll get more into DJing as we go through things. But, like, you know, we're talking about Decipher. Shinky Row, bro. Like, wh where does Shinky Row come from? How do they kind of start fitting into the equation? So, yeah, we um we did that gig with the master at the zoo and uh, Timmy P, Tiger Moth, had the idea of doing a hip-hop band. Like yep. I said before, there really was such a thing. And uh, so he'd seen me rap with Decipher at the thing. I mean, you asking, yeah, that's how we got onto that shit. Mm. I was, I'd almost had the jack of MCing, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I was, I was pretty much at the point of like, I still want to make music. That's all I've ever wanted to do is make music. And somehow I turned into a live performer. I don't know how the fuck that happened. Like, yeah. I, I really don't know how it happened. Yeah. Like, again, to me, I always wanted to be the dude in the lab making beats and making songs. And if I had to yeah. rap on them, that'd be cool too. But yeah, you know, my technophobia came in at the same time. But mm. anyway, so Timmy. I just started seeing my now wife and stuff at the time. I think that was the first time she'd seen me rap or something. So we were leaving the zoo after the gig and this dude is kind of like stalking us down the alley. And again, walking through the valley with yeah. my missus and stuff and some dudes like two steps behind you kind of following you. It's like, oh, fuck. And I turn around and Timmy's pretty soft-spoken dude and stuff. And he comes up, oh, hi, my name's Tim, you know. <laughs> I'd be interested in starting. I'm doing it. I want to do a hip-hop band, you know. like, And even again, it was a misnomer for me in terms you know yeah. a hip-hop hip -hop band, band. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and uh he was like you know would you be interested and i'd never been in a rehearsal room or anything and i was like yeah whatever because my attitude was always i used to take anything yes anything that dudes would offer me i'd always do it because whatever you did led to the next thing yeah, yeah whatever gig you did someone would see you there and offer you the next one yeah so i was open to it and uh and true to his word, like two days later, he calls me up and he's like, man, I've organized a rehearsal room at West End um, so if we can get together. And and I'd never seen the inside of a rehearsal room. I'd never been to one, you know, this is pre-dogs and stuff. And, yeah. and so, again, I didn't know anything about PAs and stuff like that. So I took my speakers and my little amp and my turntables and everything into this rehearsal room. And basically then it was just uh, Dave V and Timmy and me and yeah. Dave V was playing drums. Was Timmy was playing right. guitar, yeah. and yeah, and I was kind of cutting and rapping, and I was just doing all my old decipher verses. You know, I hadn't really written songs up until then. To me, I'd always written raps, you yeah, know, yeah. written rhymes and shit. But all of a sudden, these dudes were, you know, talking about writing songs and shit. So yeah. I was like, all of a sudden, I had to start thinking about fuck. So again, I didn't know how to do that shit. That's you it, know man. what I mean? And again, even with sampling, like because they wanted DJ to cut and stuff. 
and we were talking about yesterday, like I would bring sounds and I'd think they're really good and I'd be cutting them up and they'd be like, oh, it's out of key. Yeah. It's out of key, man. It's out of tune. And I didn't know what the fuck it meant. And I'm like, dude, it's, it sounds perfect, producer, man. he's laughing, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never got it either. I'm like, how the fuck is it out of key, how man? Is it like, out of tune? What are you talking about, man? It works perfectly and stuff. And they'd always be like, no, that's no good, man. That's no good. Yeah. Like, so I had to learn a lot of shit about that kind of stuff. I, I still don't know much about it. No, dude, I still don't get it. <laughs> and Tim, that. again, Timmy was the driving force and within a, a couple of weeks, uh, we got Kurt SP, and he ended up coming in playing drums so Dave V could play bass. And again, pretty quickly, Tim booked us a bunch of like gigs at the Shamrock and stuff, like a month of residencies, mm. the Sinister Jazz Nights. And um, fuck, man, we basically learned on the fly. Yeah. Like we, we basically spent some time. Like those guys would always come in with an idea or a groove or something, yeah. you know, and then I would just basically bust whatever rhymes I had over the top, you know, even for that first few months, we didn't really have songs. I, I kind of started going, oh, okay, well, now we need choruses and yeah, yeah, now yeah. we need structure and yeah. shit like this. Yeah. And and, uh, and so, yeah, man, we it was it turned into a gigging band. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Timmy was always down because he was a musician and a guitar player. So he yeah. was that was music to him, playing gigs and stuff. So, yeah, and, and it was in some of those very early Shamrock gigs or whatever that – Dave A kind of discovered or saw us or whatever. And he was like, oh, man, you guys should come and do a couple of supports for the dogs. or whatever. And I think by then we'd already done quite a few gigs, you know, here, there, and wherever. We're starting to get our shit together. Yeah. We had some songs, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, and that's how that whole kind of connection came. Like Shinky Row lasted three or four years. Dave, Dave V left pretty early in the piece. Yeah. He left. Yeah. Like a couple of years in, he got married and yeah. went and did the, the, you know, that thing and stuff. And um, so we had a succession of bass players. And once you start replacing, like Dave A played bass for a while. Wow, really? Um, and then yeah, even Rock B from Dogs played yeah. bass for a few gigs. And we had another guy named Kimba who played bass and toured with us a bit. He actually did the, the big tour. We did one big tour for Triple J, which was all around the country and really? stuff. Shinky um, Road. Yeah, Shinky Road, MC Trey and Reference Point. Shit. Yeah. Sick. And so um Yeah, and that was that was kind of the beginning of the end. We just put out our C D and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um and again it was that thing, man, like you're not making any money, no. like at all. No. Like and everyone's got day jobs and shit. And like I remember the first gig we got offered in Sydney. We got offered a gig in Sydney for like 150 bucks or something. And dudes were like do we want to drive to Sydney and do this gig? He's like, yeah, yeah. all right. Because again, you fuck it, you do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you get in the car and do these gigs. But yeah. then as you, you know, it gets gets to be a grind. You're you know what I mean? Dude. Like touring. Yeah, yeah. But man, we taught four guys and gear in my Hyundai XL. Like seriously, man. Wow. Bass drum behind the dude in the back seat's head. Guitar between the guy in the passenger seat's legs. Fuck. Like the, my turntables, like the whole car was rammed like it had to be was that full tetris thing yeah, where dude. if one fucking thing wasn't right well then we couldn't get in the car yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know what <laughs> yeah. i mean and we, and we did that and we were playing lunchtime shows every day to pay for the tour we were like funding it so trey and reference point and that could get paid so every day we would do a uni show and then we would do our nighttime show and then like you know you'd go to the next town the next wow. fucking day and do it again and we did like 30 25 shows or something in 30 days, something. Holy fuck, And we really? came back and we thought, okay, maybe we'll get a little bit of cash each. And yeah. we owed the record. We owed fucking Hydrofunk two grand or something. Oh, you're joking. We came back. We busted our balls for like a month and 
and we thought at least we'd get a few hundred bucks each or something. And we were in debt. We got handed a bill and it was like, how the fuck? For just hotel rooms, for gear, uh, for shit. And, we, and, and for that tour, most gigs, we didn't have hotels. We stayed at Kuro's place. We stayed at BBA's yeah, place. Yeah. You know, we called in every favour from every dude we knew in every state. Yeah. Like, man, I, actually, we didn't even have fuck all hotel rooms. I don't remember staying in hotels but a handful of times. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. Like I said, we called in every favour that we could. We stayed at Tim's Arnie's place in like Canberra and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, family members. Dude, there was one gig where we didn't have anywhere to stay. And at the end of the gig in Sydney, we were like, look, uh, we don't really have anywhere to stay. So if anyone wants to put up, you know, four broke musicians from Brisbane. And this lady is like, yeah, you can come and stay at my house and shit. Some lady from the crowd come and put us up. You know what Fuck I mean? It was hell. like it was a grind. Like it was yeah, a good dude. it was a good thing, but it was a grind, man. And it's character building though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you like, got you know, it. I mean, what paying your dues or yeah. whatever, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Get in the van, you know. But now like, – Get in the van. Well, yeah. that's it, man. I've had – over the years, I've kind of done guest spots with, you know, people and stuff. And sometimes they'll be like, oh, we, you know, we got this gig in Sydney and stuff. And be like, yeah, yeah, because I'm used to flying now with the dogs. And they'll be like, we're driving. It's like, nah. fuck, <laughs> yeah. man, I don't think, think I can do that, that 12 one. hours on the road yeah, anymore, dude. man. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's just yeah, too yeah, hectic. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, we only ever did it a couple of times and it was a fucking man. I driving hate that drive to Sydney, man. Sydney and Brisbane. I hate it. I just, it's just that bit too long that it man, just sucks. And you yeah. try and do it in one go where you just, oh, man. Yeah, dude. You get to Warwick and shit. Oh, man. Oh, Coffs Harbour, man. Yeah. He gets Coffs Harbour. It's just like, fucking how much longer, yeah, can't? Yeah. How much yeah. longer is this I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I want to get home. I've lost my passion for Put this. Put me in a fucking plane now, can't? <laughs> oh, well, that, that was the worst thing because I almost crashed the fucking car. After our last gig in Sydney, we'd had a shocker. Like, we'd had an absolute shocker. We played to, like, fucking four people or something. And we were meant to stay at some – our ring-in bass players – and we were meant to drive home the next morning. And I just had the fucking jack of it. And I was like, man, we're going home tonight. That's it. Pack the fucking car. Yeah. I'll take the first shift and stuff. And, you yeah. know, we'll be home at 10 o'clock in the morning or whatever. You know, I can't deal with this shit anymore. I've had the jack. And, yeah, did that whole thing where, where you... Oh, fuck, you're joking. Fuck, fuck, all those crap. It's like, dude, one of you guys has to drive now. Yeah, <laughs> like, You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, put the fear of God through me and stuff. My old man like, was an interstate. Don't drive, don't drive vans fucking right. tired. My old <laughs> man was an interstate truck driver and oh, like man. back in the day. And like this is back, you know, back when they'd have an off-sider so they'd have a kind of sleep. But he reckons, man, like there's countless nights. He doesn't even remember how he got places. <laughs> woke up with the, the truck fucking. Drive themselves. He woke up with a trailer going over a fucking embankment one night. Like fucking another time wound up fucking awaking up going underneath a bridge and the top of the truck being torn yeah, and off. And the like amount of bands, opener. man, that have lost you know? members that have, you know, and yeah. even bands where it wasn't that bad that have had man. crashes. And, Dude, think about Metallica. Clip yeah, Metallica. Metallica fucking, years and there's, ago, a, and there's like, a whole there's bunch heaps of them. Yeah, of yeah. course, you know, but fuck. So is that where you guys start linking with, or where you particularly start linking with the Resin Dogs at that point? Yeah, well, or? Dave was basically like, you guys should come do some r supports for the dogs and shit. And, um, I mean, I had a loose association with Catch through the hip-hop show and through the scene and I kind of knew Jeff because, you know, he was at the hip-hop gigs and stuff as well. Um, and so it just kind of like, yeah, one of the first supports we did, Dave was like, man, you should jump up and do something for the dogs. I'm yeah. like, yeah, okay, cool. Because this was like the Lazy era and yes. stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe this was just when Lazy had kind of had the jack of it and, yeah. and, and was a gig in Byron Bay. And I mean, that was a thing, like, one of the first gigs or the – I think one of the first gigs without Lazy, like Catch and Dave were rapping, grinning. They were? Yeah, yeah. Like because really? they still play gritted and Catch and Dave were like, well, okay, <laughs> Catch a click. And I was, I was like – Drink a Victoria. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, no, and I was like, dude, I know this shit word for word. So for that first gig, I was like, dude, I'll do it. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then they're like, well, if we're going to be doing more shows. So 
we wrote like my version of Grin and, and keep the choruses yes. and keep everything. Yeah. We just wrote the other verses. Yeah. But and that's where it kind of started rolling into me doing raps for them. Just because, yeah. again, because Shiki Rowe was always on the bill, it was just easy for them to yeah, get me to jump up. up. So you was usually just Freak the Funk. That was about it. You know, it was a couple of tracks, a few freestyle bits, you know, where they'd play like a classic hip-hop groove and I would just freestyle. We were talking about yesterday, like, because I was still considering being a real MC. To me, mm. freestyle meant freestyle. Freestyle. Like, not, exactly. not written. It meant, like, if this is a freestyle part, yeah. then you you freestyle, you rap off the top of your head. Yep. And so that was always stressful, you know what I mean? Because, again, the dogs were kind of the biggest crowds I'd ever seen. Mm. You know, she mm. rode in pull crowds like that, you know what I mean? Decipher didn't pull crowds like that, you know. All nah. of a sudden, you got 300, 500 dudes in the room who were fucking there to party and, yeah. you know what I mean? And yeah. So, yeah, basically, it was a pretty quick crossover, like – um, Shinky Row kind of fell apart and the dogs were, you know, starting a tour and like I'd done a bit of shit with them and I think that was 99 or whatever when I joined the dogs. Yeah. And um, 99, wow. Yeah, 99. Been there for fucking 22 years. Yeah, now. it was a long yeah. time and shit. And I was working at the casino at the time and uh, I ended up losing my gaming license. But it was one of these things. The dogs had asked me to do this big day out tour, the first one or whatever, and work wasn't going to give me time off. And so I was kind of like in two minds, kind of needed the job, what you know, I, I had bills to pay at that time. And and so I was like, fuck, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. Mm. And then I lost my gaming license. Yeah, the state made the choice for me and stuff. So yeah. it was like, cool, I'll go on tour, you know. Like I said, I believe in serendipity and shit. Yeah, Sometimes yeah, yeah. shit happens for a reason, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So <laughs> And yeah, basically been with them ever since. And even for, that, for those first couple of years, 99, 2000, I was still just rapping. I wasn't the front man. Yeah. Like I would come on for a song and leave. That's right. And come on, you know, come on for a song and leave again. And they would just do their thing. And and I just figured out that it was better for me to hype the crowds than Dave. Mm. Like it just, yeah. dude, I'm, I'm used to this, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I got used, like, so I would start staying on stage a bit. Well, that was the thing. I was too afraid to do it at the start because Dave was always yelling at everyone and he was a staunch motherfucker on stage. Cause That's what it was, a, eh? He's you, a perfectionist and shit. You, you know, watch so those Resident Dog shows, man, and, like, fucking early on, like, Dave is just screaming no, at everyone. Oh, no, yeah. fuck, no, fuck, no. Yeah, dude, you'd like, see it, man. And you're like, like fuck. I'm fucking like, Jesus yeah. Christ, dude. You'd like, be in the crowd watching it just like, who's he fucking yelling at? Which cunts he yelling, yelling at? He's yelling at everyone. Like, at everyone. He's just yelling yeah. at everybody. Yeah. You know? but, but, again, like, because... Dave been playing music since he was a little kid. Exactly. He'd been playing in punk bands and rock bands. Like, he, yep. he knew what the fuck he was doing. And yeah. he knew what he wanted to do. Yes. He knew that what he wanted to do with the dogs and stuff, even though, you know, Jeff was writing a lot of the tracks and stuff. But Jeff, the combination of Jeff and Catch and Dave and Rock B was just perfect. Mm. It was just yeah, one of these yeah. things where it came together. But basically, I started... I, f I started figuring out, like, dude, why don't I just stay on and double up the samples? Or why don't I just stay on and tell people when to put their hands in the air? Or, you know, it just kind of works better that way. And, and I think I was telling you, I was getting, like, 50 bucks a show. And I remember they had... Playing big day out, getting 50 bucks a show. Yeah, like, you know, fuck. and they were... And basically, when I started, like, taking over more, like, and that was probably 2002. Yeah. Like I said, the, the big day out that's online, yeah. I can't, it bugs me out because I'm not... I'm not doing well in yeah, that. Yeah. Like I look at that and I'm going like, that's that's Dino when he's in amateur hour yeah, and he yeah. doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. But that's you freestyling too. Yeah. But, you can but tell you're up on stage just freestyling. But even you know? like that, I think that was one of the first times I ever stayed up for hard groove. It was yeah, one of the first yeah. times like because Dave was like, hey, yo, Dino, what are you going to ask him and stuff? I'm like, I don't know. Fucking... <laughs> oh, oh, you're ready to party. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. But I'd never done that before and stuff. And so, again, that was kind of the crossover where I'd start being like, okay, I'll tell the crowd what to do. Yeah. And after that big day out tour, I uh, they had their manager smash 
uh, he was a hardcore rock and roll dude. Good guy, man. Me and Smashy got along good, but I was still a young kid, basically, you know, fucking 21, 22 years old. And uh, I remember going into media rare, the offices, and saying, oh, look, Smash, you know, you think maybe I could get like a hundred bucks a show and stuff? <laughs> and he's like, why the fuck should I pay you a hundred fucking bucks? He made me work for it like nobody's business. And I was like, oh, well, look, man, I used to only do a couple of songs. Now I'm pretty much on stage for the whole show. Yeah. I'm doing all this stuff. And he made me work for it. I was like, oh, fucking Jesus Christ. Yeah, 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 <laughs> This yeah, is hardcore, yeah. man. I don't know if I like the music industry. Going in there fucking hat in well, hand. Well, on the flip side, though, we were getting per DMs, which I'd never heard of oh, at true. the time. We were, getting so 25, we were getting 25 bucks a day for food, right? Wow. And so- and so the, at the start of the tour, Jolt comes up and hands me like a hundred bucks or something. And I thought it was my wages for the gigs. Yeah. And he's like, these are your per diems. And I'm like, what's that? What's Fuck, he's per diems. Got per diems. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and he was like, oh, it's your food money, man. You get 25 bucks a day for food and shit. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, fucking dope. Go yeah. blow all that shit on records. Yes, Don't right. eat for the whole tour. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was like dope. I'd never had that before and shit. You yeah. know what I mean? And even like Resin Dogs had half decent riders, you know, Shinky Road didn't get riders and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now all of a sudden you go backstage and there's a case of beer and a fucking bottle of vodka and stuff. I'm like, fuck, yeah. I can get into this. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I remember when 750 got to a point where we got a case of beer, a bottle, and fucking water and shit. Like, you know, like it was just like, man. And you feel like, like you made it. Yeah, dude, <laughs> straight up. But you're like, per diems, man. I used to hear about per diems. Like, you know, the fucking like touring acts in the States who had their per, yeah, per yeah. diems. I'd never know? heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just heard about it just through fucking like touring acts and shit like yeah. that. And I was just, I, I always thought, fuck, that's must, that must just be some US shit. You know, there's truckloads of money in that yeah, fucking industry, you know? Yeah, like, hip hop, local hip hop to have that. Yeah, dude, that's that's some shit. Yeah. Were they were they on a major? Were they? I with think Virgin? that was just when they had signed okay. with Virgin or whatever. Just yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it would have been that that because that would have been the Grand Theft Audio year. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they would have been just signed to EMI or yeah, whatever dude. it was. And well, we were talking yesterday, man. Like just going back to Grin and how you kind of took that. Out. But like the you know like between us and we were having this conversation, the Resin Dogs owe a lot to that fucking one single. Oh, don't fucking they, man? straight to up, Grin man. Like you know? like again, like, they. they it was the time of Aussie hip hop just starting to get some mm, love, mm. like on Triple J and shit. Mm -hmm. Hoods had had dumb enough, and you know there were certain little bits and pieces and stuff that was starting to flow through. But like what we were talking about, dudes were still searching for it then. Yes, like dudes and dudes didn't know shit. Yeah, yeah. So like again, yeah, you for did, your, dudes didn't know shit. That's no, exactly dudes right. didn't know shit. That's so right. for your average punter to see Lazy, who's already this fucking seasoned vet of an MC, yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 killing it, like it was. It was the thing that stood out yeah. for the show. I mean, yeah. for guys like me and stuff as well, yeah. like, you know, because I was a hip-hop cat first and a music cat second. Definitely. So the, the hip-hop parts of the show for me were were massive. And and that Grin and Single, they, they did all that all independently and, yeah, and, yeah. and it and it really hit and stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? It was, yeah. a, it was a fucking killer track. It was a great track. And like man. I said, even though Lazy probably had fucking the best part of a decade of rapping under his belt already, yeah. you know, there still probably wasn't, that many dudes, yeah. apart from the hip hip hop cats, knew him, but you yeah. know what I mean. Like nobody knew any of us. Man. Yeah, that's right. You know, nobody. Like I said, gigs back then would be fifteen <laughs> dudes if you're fucking lucky. You yeah, know dude. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and only half of them would like you. Mm. <laughs> you yeah, yeah, know? exactly, like, exactly. Oh, dude, I remember the first time I ever heard fucking grinning, man. I probably said it. I'm telling you yesterday, that time at the fucking River stage the fuck in '98, away. man. I think it was even before Freak the Funk. He hadn't yeah, yeah. done Freak the Funk with him at that stage, you know. And it was just grinning, and it was like, fuck me, what is this? And see, I don't think I I didn't 
didn't even see like that 98 gig or those ones. Yeah. I think the first time I saw Lazy. They were supporting that fucking cunt from, uh, I was telling you yesterday, the cunt yeah, from fucking Brown Recovery. Hornet Brown or Hornet. Dylan or whatever yeah. the fuck <laughs> his name was. Yeah, yeah. Like Soma Rasa or some yeah, other, yeah. Game, you know, some other joints. I think the first time I saw, I mean, because I had done a lot of gigs with Lazy beforehand, so I knew yeah, who yeah. he was and shit. But the first time I saw him rap with the dogs was probably at Rick's. Yeah. So... Like I said, I didn't get even get to see the first few times when he, yeah. he, you know, and again, I was already a massive lazy fan, of course, just from you know having the fucking Boney and Stony and yeah, things like yeah, that. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? And but then also the resin dogs in that era, like yesterday, you were showing me the photos. Andrew G, who's yeah. now fucking what is it, Osher, Osher Ginsburg yeah. or whatever? Yeah. You know, like he was a member of the resin dogs. Yeah, briefly, he played double bass for yeah a few yeah. shows and stuff. Like uh, yeah, and, uh, he actually interviewed me for Channel V or whatever back in the day when he was on the thing and. Man, he's a super nice guy. He did a lot of radio work. You know, he was on the radio. Didn't he had a Mount Gravatt High or some shit? Like I don't know, man. Like I said, I never knew him that well. But the, my main memory, apart from, because I only played one gig, he came and did like a New Year's Day gig with us. I think after his time had already finished, more he was already maybe a celebrity by then. That's why yeah. we got him up and he played some double bass and shit. But I kind of met him four or five times. And uh, I remember the big day out when Jurassic Five were playing. So I'm watching J Five in the main stage and stuff. And I legitimately bumped in, like actually bumped into him, like boom. Oh, sorry, dude. And he's like, Dino, want a beer? <laughs> and, like, and then we ended up watching J Five together and kicking the shit and saying, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got a lot of love for that dude. He's yeah. he's uh, he's in a different stratosphere yeah, now. Of you know, he's like, of a, he's fucking, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Host of the fucking Bachelor and shit. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, you know. He's but a, to think he came from that. I remember seeing him at Rick's Cafe once years ago, and I never knew who that was. And then I remember yeah. years after the fact, someone said to me, "Oh, that's that cunt." And I was like. Oh, word. Yeah, he's paid, like, again, he's paid his dues, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, he's yeah. done his years of hard slog in the radio yeah. and festivals and all that shit, and yeah, more definitely. power to him, man. You yeah, know 100%, I mean? like, man. Fucking all success to the cunt. Fucking absolutely, man. But tell us some shit about, like, that, those Resin Dogs years. Like, that must have been some shit, like, going from, like, going from Decipher and, you know, like, the town, like, you know, doing all those shows, as you were saying. Oh, like, man, it was terrifying. Bro, it, it was all terrifying. of a sudden you're standing in front of 40,000 fucking people. I, I like, remember even the, well, for me, the first gig I think I did, and this was no lazy there at this time, so I was the only rapper. Yeah. It was at the Great Northern in yeah. Byron, yeah. and it was sold out. I think it was the first time I'd ever played a sold out gig. Like we'd done a couple of decent ones at the arena and stuff, yeah, and, yeah, they, yeah. and they were big, decent crowds, but this the Northern was packed. It was right. fucking rammed full of dudes ready to party. You know what I mean? And I think that's the first time I remember getting like, like an ovation, mm. like I did Freak the Funk or did whatever. And um, and Dave's like, yeah, give it up for Dino on the mic. And the fucking crowd was like, like really, like really appreciative. And, and again, never had that at a hip-hop gig, man, never. Nah. You know, dudes might fucking, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. eye fucking. Yeah, 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 just eyeballing yeah. you and shit. But this was the first time, and I remember it was just electrifying. It was yeah. like, I mean, that kind of gave me my second win for MCing because, like I said, I, I kind of had the jack of doing hip-hop gigs to no one and, Busting your balls, torn to play to fucking no one, make no money, yeah. and then all of a sudden you got this vehicle that's like, shit, man. People are actually into this, and yeah, people dude. actually come to have a good time and yeah. come to party, and you know what I mean. It was, yeah, and I was just lucky because again they they kind of had asked me to start torn at that point. How was it stepping into that machine? Because you know, like we were talking yesterday once again. You know, I'll rehash some conversations that me and Dino had yesterday. Like we were talking, like the first time I ever saw the Resin Dogs machine and how they work, being handed itinerary and shit. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. we were talking about that yeah. night where we rolled in and fucking exactly. Like me and Lazy lost our way in Melbourne. We left the fucking Jake, gig, blah, Jake blah. probably don't, won't tell you the story, but yeah, it was a Resin Dogs gig, and you said you guys were doing the support or something. We opened. We all and yeah. we all got ridiculously drunk. The three of us, drunk, like as like fuck. drunk. 
drunk, drunk, drunk. We were to drunk the point where we, the, during the day. We during the day, sound check. To the point where we were like, man, is Laser, are you guys going to be able to do the show? Like, what the oh. fuck? And uh, Laser's got the demon that night. Like. Yeah, yeah, straight <laughs> up, man, straight up. And then, But then you guys did it. You did the show and oh, stuff. But I show, remember yeah. I was fucking trashed. After the show, I went straight back to the hotel and crashed the fuck out. Yeah. And Jake can add his part. But, but from my point of view, then at 3 o'clock in the morning, Jake and Lazy walk in with a fresh carton on their shoulder, shoulder, ready to start again. <laughs> but, we had to be on a plane at 6 a.m. It's like 3.30 in the morning. But you should tell the adventure you had in between. Oh, I can't listen, man. Like, we fucking, so, like, fucking, I, I mean, whatever. Like, fucking Lays was off it by that point, you know. Like, we were supporting the Resin Dogs and, like, we, you know, they'd taken us out. We were doing a show. And I'm pretty sure it was Grand Prix weekend in Melbourne. We're at the Prince of Wales in St Kilda. And um, fucking, Ooh. like, Lays is like, we're leaving. We're fucking going. And I'm like, all right, let's go, cunt. Let's, I'm down. Let's go for an adventure, you know. And I don't know where we went. We went up in Richmond or something like that. <laughs> but long story short, I didn't know where the fuck we were. And Lays was drunk, man. And I hope I'm not blowing the dude. I, like, we'd get messy, man. Well, I got, we're I got, man, but we were all, all of us fucked up. Uh, that, I don't know why we, we all chose that particular <laughs> day to get. But, like, wherever Lazy's just like, man, get out of here. We're going. We're going. I'm like, all right, let's bounce, man. Let's fucking get the fuck out. So we went up going somewhere else. And I don't know who we hooked up with, but somehow, we wound up in a car with this dude and I paid this dude 50 bucks to get us back to the hotel because I was like, Lays, we're like, we got the itinerary, bro. Like, and I was just trying to talk to Lays. I'm just like, bro, we got to fucking, you know, Where we, do got, we, stay? we got to get back to the hotel. Like, we're going at fucking 6 a.m., man. These cunts will leave without us, you know? Like, yes, they will. Yeah, they will <laughs> leave without us, man. Like, they left us at fucking Sydney Airport the following morning. No sick, bro. Lossy missed the flight. Like, this is this is a whole weekend of fuckery, dude. Like, and um, fucking, oh, where was it going? Oh, that's right. We got fucking rotten drunk and fucking, I paid this cunt 50 bucks and by some fucking miraculous miraculous fucking you just drove around in concentric we circles around, around bro. like we, were, we just paid this cunt 50 bucks and he drove us around and lasers in the back seat and i'm in the front and i'm just trying to placate the situation like lasers blind and we're drinking in the car and fucking boom 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 and i'm just like oh man you know like we got to be around here somewhere because i remember we were on like one of those arterial roads towards tullamarine or whatever like 2 33 a.m in that's the a needle in, that's some needle in a haystack because i remember though, that you found the hotel dude, bed, i remember like, the night when we like when we left i remember like i do have a recollection of thinking like oh we should just probably just fucking okay let's take off up the road let's go drink up there and then we'll come back when they finish so we can at least get in the van because i don't know what the hotel was called i can't remember where the fuck we were like you know i just know it was near the airport and man by the grace of the fucking universe or whatever it's like 2 30 in the morning man we for three whatever the fuck it was we found we fucking this cunt found the fucking hotel i'm like that's it there man that's that fucking hotel and we just wander in man yeah we're with a fresh lab and i was like and i'm thinking like from three or four hours before we were just like i was done man you couldn't have like paid me, but and we were elated. We were just like, "Let's go, man! We're back! Like it's fucking <laughs> on now. We're again. safe." Fucking... And then fucking passed out for an hour. And I remember the dogs, man. Like they were a machine, dude. And that's essentially what the fucking word I was getting to the point of the story. Like we had itineraries. We had to be at this specific place yeah, at this really specific I mean, time. They, they, like, because again, a lot of those guys had experience from other bands that had been musicians, so yeah. they they were more clued up on touring. And even yeah. Catch had toured and DJed yes. in other states, and yeah. so they were all, they were all ready to be pros. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if they yeah. weren't pros already at this stage, they're all like, yeah, they're, they're hotel, seasoned. yeah, they yeah, were yeah. seasoned vets. Definitely, man. Chris, I might, I hope this is not wrong, but I'm pretty sure Chris Rock B for a while was the bass player for Baby Animals. 
Maybe Fuck remember off. baby animals, yeah, but dude, like, yeah. yeah, of course. I hope that's not wrong, but I'm sure that's a story I heard on the road for yeah, a while. Like yeah. he toured with them. So that all those guys were pro by that yeah, stage yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where you need fucking itineraries yeah. and you need schedules and you need. Dude, I remember we got on that plane in Melbourne. We went to Sydney and Lops somehow because Lops was meeting us to DJ. <clears throat> I don't know who DJed Mel. Oh, Catch maybe DJed for us in fucking Melbourne. Maybe. Yeah, right. That's what it was. And then Lopsy was meeting us in Sydney, and Lops missed his fucking flight. And like the dogs were just like, all right, see us. Like, see I'm like, the venue, well, fuck, we're waiting for Lops. Like, fucking, where's Lops gonna go? You don't know where the fucking go. Yes, you are waiting so for Lops. So me and Lays just me and Lays just posted up, started smoking cigs, and just waited for Lops. I think we could even get a beer. Like it was like eight thirty in the morning. We were just like, fuck it, we'll go get a beer. We're at the airport. That's a problem you know? with touring as well. Always you get into that routine where the, yeah, the airport bars are open. Yeah, the early airport bars the, are open, man. They're open first thing in the morning. So you get to, you get to the airport at like seven thirty a.m. Is like you can buy oh, a beer. I'll have it. I'll have I'll have a drink. You know what I mean? It was incredible. The only way we're gonna get through this shit. A long story short, we made it, like obviously, but yeah, it was a fucking, it was just one of those adventures. I've, man, got, one of those I've got a photo, I've actually, I'm pretty sure I've got a bunch of photos from that night, but I was telling you, you I've got yeah, one yeah. photo of all of us kind of right in our, yeah. oh shit, <laughs> we're all pretty oh, fucked fucking, up. Oh, fucking, yeah. and, and I'm wearing the original 750 shirt before we even had a logo. Oath had these fucking t-shirts made. When you showed it to me yesterday, I was like, holy fuck. Like I looked at that photo, I was just like, that's bugged, yeah, man. Yeah. I think even Reelsy was in it, so that must have been Sydney because I remember See, he came to this that This was gig. all the time as well where having a shirt, was like a win. Yeah, like, dude, yeah, man, you got shirts. We got like, shirts. You got, you yeah. got tapes, you got shirts. Fuck, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome, dude. You yeah, know, dude. Like, you're winning. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> I was fucking unreal, man. But like you were saying yesterday, dude, you were fucking like doing all those festivals, man. You're showing me like, you know, like the lineups, the bills you yeah, were playing along. Yeah. Like you played fucking soccer with Coldplay for yeah, fuck's yeah, sake. Yeah, yeah, they had you like know, a soccer like, game. Man, and the other Smoking splits with the cunt from Rat Cat. Yeah, like, yeah, fuck, like, you know. And that was the other cool thing, like because of Big Day Out, there was basically these rock and roll flights between the cities. So you would be on a plane and the whole plane would be big day out. So you'd have Queens of the Stone Age, Foo Fighters, fucking all on the same plane and shit. Like, yeah. and it was like, I mean, looking back now, like, like it, it's just surreal. Yes. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you never get that many motherfuckers on the same plane, you know, no. but because everyone was going from the same city to the same city and I was never one to kind of hit up rock stars. Yeah. yeah only yeah. dudes who I... You know, like when Jurassic Five played, because I was a big fan, yeah. get a record signed or whatever. But I, 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 I don't do fame for fame's sake. Yeah, like I'm yeah. not just gonna hit Dave Grohl up because he's Dave Grohl because yeah. he poor cunt probably gets it all day every day. Of course, you know what I mean. But looking back now on some of those flights, like again between the cities of just having the entire like lineups of big day outs all on the same. Unbelievable. Flight, it was really it was something to to behold. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I do. I think that was the first time I fucking signed an autograph. I came off one of the planes and I was one of the first dudes off or something. There's a bunch of autograph hunters out the front and they come up there and for some reason they knew who the fuck I was. And I remember signing it and I'm like, man, all the real rock stars are coming now. Just <laughs> <Yeah>. wait. <laughs> Just wait a minute, man, and you'll get all the real rock stars, you know. Like, <laughs> How, what, what are some of your, like, what are some, like, distinct memories of those festivals? Like, do them, I mean, you toured the world with those cunts. Yeah, like, we did, I mean, a couple of European tours. We did yeah. a big festival, a couple of big festivals in Hungary and the Czech Republic. How, and, did, those, how did those European tours go? Were you just packing into a uh, van and tough? Tough, yeah. yeah, man, tough. Yeah, like uh, we had one tour where our NPC got stolen off the side of the road, oh, so that was like a bit of a fucking mission. And then some local dude tried to fleece us. He's like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll get you an NPC. You can rent it off me for like three hundred pounds or stuff." Fuck like me, man, we're not getting that much. <laughs> even one of those tours, they, they were tough, man. They were tough ass tours. I remember even I don't know if it was the first one or something. We were getting on the plane, and before we even got on the plane, 
they're trying to charge us like two and a half grand excess. And everyone's walking around going, you got a credit card? Everyone's was like, fuck no, dude. Yeah. I've never had a credit card anyway. But it was yeah. like, before we'd even got on the plane to go to Europe, we'd lost money. We'd lost more money than we were fucking getting <laughs> yeah. paid and stuff, you know. Yeah. And But that's the thing. We Then we get to London. And I, so the first show we did was at Cargo with, um, that's a big club. With eh? the next man. Oh, wow. And so anyway, I think it was somewhere near, we actually played Shepherd's Bush, but I think it was somewhere near Shepherd's Bush. So again, I'd never traveled the world. So I didn't know that this is where all the Aussies congregate. Yeah. Shit, you know what I mean? So the first show we do at Cargo, there's motherfuckers lined up around the block. Like we get there and it's actually like, like it was rammed and there was people, they couldn't get people in. I had to, Kurt was living in London. I was staying with him and they were trying to tell me I couldn't get him in and stuff. I'm like, man, this is the dude who's putting me up. No, mate. Nobody, nobody else can get in and shit. And I was like, we end up sneaking them in through the back and stuff. <laughs> but dudes were like banging on the back doors with chairs, trying to get in and stuff. Jesus. And so I thought that's what the whole tour was going to be like. Yeah, yeah. That we were going to be playing to these fucking sold out, massive fucking shows. And then half of them were like club gigs here. Yeah. We'd be playing to half empty rooms or, yeah. you know, because yeah. dudes didn't know who we were. They again, we had good were. shows and we had bad shows. We had some shows where there was more people and some shows where there were less. Yeah. But because it was a lot of... um you know, a lot of traveling, a lot of driving. Oh, we yeah. had one, we had a van that was fucking broken down. So it smelled like rotten egg gas. Oh. There was something wrong with it. We drove to Brighton, played out near Brighton Pier. Every time I see Brighton Pier on TV, I'm like, oh, I played just near there. Yeah. You know, but um, so the whole way back, I remember I had my sweaty ass t-shirt from the gig and I was holding that up against my face because it smelled better than the van. And we did this for like hours and hours <laughs> and the van wouldn't Jesus. go. And um, Man, a lot, lot of fun, but yeah, like, yeah, a, yeah. like a like a lot of hard work too again, yeah, you know what I mean? And yeah. Like, yeah, you know, like for me it was eye-opening and stuff. We stayed in some Orthodox Jewish village the first place we stayed. And again, I'd never been overseas, so as soon as we landed, I just thought I'd walk the streets a little bit. Yeah. Like, and I realised it's a full Orthodox Jewish village and stuff. And, wow. Because I would that? be, I, I was, oh, fuck. Was it called fucking Stoke Newington? I'm sure I probably got that wrong or something. Yeah. But but I remember because it was weird because I'm walking the streets and I'm taking my Aussie attitude. So every dude I'd see on the streets, I'd be like, g'day, yeah, yeah, you going? Yeah. And these people, they just look at you like, yeah, not respond and shit, yeah, take yeah. two steps out of your way and stuff. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was all eye-opening. Again, I blew my whole fucking, I, I think my budget was 11 pounds a day. Fuck. That's what I was living on. Jesus Christ. And, and, and it used to cost me, I think, four and a half pound for my travel card. Yeah. Because the day, we had some downtime as well. We had a few days. Actually, I record a couple of the songs there for this? on that tour I get into with this. Kurt SP. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was living in London and yeah. stuff. So he put me up for a few days and stuff. Man, I don't even remember now. It was the first tour or the second tour. I think the second tour we stayed in a furnished flat. And the first thing I found was a guide to shopping in London and an and a, a to Z, you know, yeah. it tells you all the traffic routes and all the public transport. And so I just traveled around London going to every record store I could find. Yeah. That was it. I was That was me on my down days. So I love that. That was a fucking ball getting on the red buses. And the transport system there is so oh, golden, man. Yeah. You get off one tube and the next one's waiting it's for unreal, you. Eh? You can just cover yeah. hundreds of kilometers <laughs> yeah, in a man. day, you know yeah. what I mean? Dude, and, I remember walking out of Heathrow and like it just went, for, it was like it went for kilometers. Like I like I went over there with my missus and that. And oh, like yeah. it was just fucking, man, like walking out of that place, it just, it, it, to me, it felt like it went for kilometers. Well, see, see, like it was like I never left the fucking place. All of a sudden I wound up in a train station. Yeah, you know? one of the first, we played this festival in Hungary at yeah. first and that was awesome. That was, again, it was a big thing. So the start of the tour was great. It was a yeah. real good thing and it kind of set my expectations probably a little bit too high. But then we, we drove across Europe to get to London and shit. So we had to catch the ferry from fucking 
France or Calais or wherever it is over yeah, to Dover. Yeah. And um, over to Dover. again, I, if any authorities are listening, fuck it. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't officially touring with the band. Like all the guys had visas, their proper visas and shit sorted. Yeah. But I was just like traveling with the band. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. so we get to Calais and I just get pulled out of the van and fucking interrogated for like an hour and stuff. Really? Oh, so you're going to be earning any money while you have? No, I'm not earning any money, which we fucking weren't. But, yeah, you know, yeah. technically. Well, so these guys were a band, but you're not in the band. You know, Why are you here and stuff? And it's like, oh, I just, you know, just thought I'd come with them just yeah, to yeah. travel around and see the plays. And the dude wasn't having it. He knew what the fuck was up. Yeah. But he was trying every single loophole in the world. And again, I was shitting myself like, yeah. fuck, dude. You yeah. know, like, am I going to get stuck in France by myself or yeah, something? Dude. And you guys are all, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. again, Dogs will go. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I'll yeah. be in France with my 11 pound a day going, what the fuck yeah, am yeah, I going to do, will go, man? I'll like, you. Yeah. <laughs> How the hell do I get out of here, You've yeah, heard those stories, man. I've heard stories about cunts traveling from Canada. Fuck, I can't remember who it was, but someone went from Canada into the US and their DJ got left there. It was just like, yeah. man, you can't you can't enter the US from yeah. Canada. And, yeah. man, and I've never had credit cards or anything, so even I flew back with just me and Dave. And by this point... I had a backpack full of wax. I had oh. all. I left half of my clothes and everything in London because I bought all these records. And, <laughs> and then, and man, rack was so fucking cheap in yeah, London. So yeah. there was mountains of cocaine. That was a good fun, good yeah. part of it. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. But yeah. we did a, a gig on the last night before we were meant to fly out the next morning, and we just had mountains of cocaine left. And so it was like, what are we going to do with all this cocaine? So, well, I know what we're going to do. <laughs> Let's go. Fucking, fucking, you know what I mean? So just absolutely blizzard. smashed. So we're up all night. We played a gig and we had to be at the airport real early in the morning. And I spent the whole night because Marky, who was drumming for us, I was like, look, man, I've got like fucking 100 kilos of records. How am I going to get this shit through and stuff? So I packed my backpack full and, you know, like I'd always pretend like it didn't weigh anything. It was about 50 or 60 yeah, kilos yeah, on my yeah. back. And... Cause I didn't have money to pay excess or any nah, of this shit. No. So, and catch offered me a little bit of room in his bag and Marky offered me. So I spent the whole night just racking up coke and repacking <laughs> these bags going, okay, this, I le left all Walking my clothes the there, left all my toiletries bleed. there and stuff. And then in the end, it was only a, a couple of us flying back. And so I didn't have any money on me and stuff. And so, cause a lot of the boys stayed on in Europe afterwards. And so I was like, Jolt, man. Like, cause there was all these stop-offs as yeah, well. We yeah. stopped in Taipei and we stopped fucking somewhere else. And I'm like, dude, I have no money and I have no credit card. Am I going to get hit up for anything anywhere along this way, man? Cause I don't have any money and stuff. I had dudes with guns in fucking Taipei following me around. Cause I had a, a calling card. Yeah. I was using a calling card to call home all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like reverse the charges yeah, and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. So I get to, I think it was Taipei or whatever. Good to rack up with too. Oh man. <laughs> well, this is the thing, man. When we got to the airport in London, I hadn't been awake for 36 hours or something and it just nodded off in the van yeah. like on the way to the airport and then get to the airport and go <laughs> and the, the gravity of the situation hit me and, and I was like oh no oh no I'm going to travel for a day and a half and I'm poking off my head and I've got no money and I'm fucking how am I going to do this man like, and I was seriously from then I was just like the fucking depression sets in and shit because like. I, mean, I was having trouble at every single airport and border I went like like we're in the line I don't even remember what country and this is the thing the, the guy at the customs or whatever he's like where have you come from and this is when we were driving through Europe we're driven through Belgium and through like four different countries and the dude's like where have you come from and I'm like I don't know and I'm looking for the guys in the van like show what was the last country we were in and stuff like you know every single border crossing and stuff was just an absolute nightmare yeah, man. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean and like I said I'm in Taipei and, and my calling card would work and heaps of the dudes didn't speak English it wasn't like most hotels like the receptionists didn't speak English and stuff 
And so I'm trying to tell them that I need a phone with a dial tone because yeah. the pay phones, you don't get a dial tone until you put the money in and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was telling them, like, can I use your phone? You know, I was trying to explain that you won't be charged for the call. I just need a call, you know, something with a dial tone so I can get through to the operator, blah, blah, blah. And they weren't getting it. So I was getting real irate. I was doing like Russell Crowe ready to throw the phone against you know. <laughs> so I'm walking back and forth and all of a sudden these two guards with guns start following me like around the lobby of this airport. And, I'm, and again, that's when the shit just got real. I was like, man, I do not want to get stuck in some yes. fucking country, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Again, you know, called Interpol or something. Like, how, how do I get the home Australian government? Like, man, a lot of fun. Like, man, mad, mad experiences. That's Total it, eh? mad experiences. But uh, again, you know, n- not not a holiday yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? and we did it twice you know and we played ireland we played like dude how's this we played at ireland it was again it was one of the last shows on the the tour rock b's base got sent to spain oh. so he didn't have a base because it got fucking sent so by the time we got to uh dublin or wherever we flew into cork um again morale was a little low yeah you know what i mean yeah. and um we were on ryanair which were fucked late and charging us for everything and and what was it called O'Ryan Air? Ryan Air. Oh, Ryan Air. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. Irish chants O'Ryan. Well, well, yeah. No, and so we get to this gig and then it was like the, one of the last <laughs> gigs of the tour. And so like the Whalers had played before us in this Shit. tiny little club with this tiny little stage. Yeah. And there was about seven people in the audience and one of them was from Oxley. He like lived like within a <laughs> stone throw from where I worked. He's like, you know, he's an Aussie Oxley. dude. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. We're in Ireland playing to no one. <laughs> And, and we start talking and it's like, where are you from? He's like, man, I live in Oxley. I'm like, dude, I work in Oxley. Where I had to him. come around. That was the other fucking weird thing. We, I've heard you talk about MC Blue before who yeah, was yeah. for Cheeky and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and she ended up, I think, being in the pot bellies and stuff as yeah. well. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah but yeah. I'm walking through London on one of my record buying sojourns and stuff. And again, walked around a corner and legitimately bumped into her. And I'd never been overseas before. And I... It blew my fucking head. I was like, Marissa, fuck, fuck, this is, this is insane. You yeah, know, like, yeah. how does this happen? And she's like, nah, it happens all the time. <laughs> I was like, yeah, right. not to me, it doesn't. Like, you know, like, again, I'd never really traveled and stuff. So, like, yeah. I mean, I'd been overseas a couple of times with my family as a kid and stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? But, um, yeah. but yeah, never, never traveled. So, not yeah, it was, man, it was good tours, but yeah, a lot of. A lot of adventures. For, for some fucking amazing stories. Yeah, yeah. But so like, so when you were in the UK, you started working on well, what I, would I think eventually I become your solo? No, well, 97, straight after Decipher, I started that. You started this, yeah. Um, and again, I just had little demo songs and bits and pieces here and Bum there. Bum Notes, Genius Strokes by DNO. Well, see, it was called that, I think it's a quote from John Coltrane or something ah. when he was in one of his stupors and he was saying about how even when he played Fucked or something, People yeah. would come up and tell him how brilliant he was. You know, people are calling my bum notes, genius strokes and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it was like a quote. That. And the other reason was it was meant to spell bongs on the spine. Like <laughs> oh, yeah, it, that was, it was meant to be like bongs, 97 <laughs> to 03 or whatever, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it didn't work out that way. Um, <laughs> so I just gathered up certain stuff. And around this time, Good Buddha had started touring with the dogs a little bit. Yes. And yep. they're all super cool mofos, yep. you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so they were in town one time and they come and watch me spin at Rick's. And uh, I tell the story in the cover. Fucking, um, They came up, uh, Glenn, their sound man, and Andy come up. And they're like, man, why don't you have a release? Why don't you, you know, why don't you have any music out? And I'm like, and again, like, 
I don't know how to do shit. You know what I mean? I've got a bunch of demos. I said, but none of it's worth releasing. And they're like, well, dude, just give us everything you got, man, and we'll we'll turn it into an album for you, you know? Mm. And Glenn also sent me up some beats saying, look, if we need to fill it out, if you need a couple more tracks here, man, here's some tracks and shit, you know? And uh, This is amazing. You break it all down on the Yeah, inside, I tell bro. most of the stories because a lot of it was a long time in the making, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, And so, and again, Glenn was, he kind of took it on as his pet project and so I ended up re-recording a lot of the stuff down in Sydney at Mark Walton's crib. Yeah. Um, you know, he flew me down. Like I said, he picks me up from the airport and he's like, right, dude, I've got a half ounce of weed. I've got a bottle of rum. What else do you need? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you know, fully looked after me. Like, you know, and I'm like, yeah. these dudes were doing it for the love. No money. I wasn't paying anyone. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so we spent like a week down there um, kind of putting finishing touches. The good Buddha boys came down and did some backups for me. Um you know, and we basically just partied a lot. Mark Walton, he was de- actually, I don't know if there's the photo in there with Mark Walton where he's got his like suit and his gold chain, mm-hmm. like there, yeah. He, cause he would come, oh, yeah, there he is. He would, <laughs> he would come home every morning at like three or four in the morning because he'd finished DJing. He DJed like all night, every night. Dude yeah. had like six residencies or something. Yeah. So he would always come down, like, what can I do? What can I do and stuff? So he's got a couple of lines on there, a couple of lines rapping. He's like, what can I do? Okay, you can play the club owner in this song and stuff. And he would always come down and he would disappear up to his house and put on some fucking crazy outfit, like a like a jumpsuit or, and some gold chains and shit. And he'd come down and do his thing. And then he'd disappear up to the house and get changed and come back down in some other ridiculous outfit, pimp's outfit, and just fucking like, because no again, shit. there's a lot of drugs involved and stuff. So. <laughs> there's a lot of drugs involved. <laughs> well, again, you know, I wasn't mega into it but the dude's like what do you need you need anything oh, get listen, you anything bro. he's like you know I'll it's have a couple music, of pingers man. or something I've spoken right. about it in the past man pingers and bang thing yeah, yeah, yeah I've spoken it. about it in the past man like no matter what, like whatever it is with the music like music industry and whatever it is like no matter on what level you function within that industry certain doors start opening yeah, yeah, to you that's it. like they do man yeah. like you've it's there. things become more accessible yeah, and all of a sudden right. it's there yeah. you know and like i've spoken about it in the past like it's not bullshit man i remember hearing that dude um Oh, fuck, I probably said it before. What was his name? Um, Phil from Grinspoon talking oh, yeah, about yeah. it. He goes, he was talking about that Andrew Denton dude, that Enough Rope show years yeah, yeah. and years and years ago. I remember watching it and he had a bad fucking, I can't remember what he was on, but he had a bad problem. Yeah, yeah, between, didn't they, yeah they did that song about it or whatever. Yeah, between fuck. the booze, the blow and the pipe maybe. Yeah, like Sunday, was, was it Sunday Pills, Thrills? Something, was that, that, yeah, some yeah. shit like that. But he spoke about it. He goes, like, it's not bullshit. Like when no. you reach a certain level within the music industry at whatever level, those doors dudes open give you drugs. That's the whole thing. You, you, you don't even look for them anymore. It's you around. Do. Dudes come up and want this. You want yep. this. It's like, yeah. Comes to like to party. Yeah, but it comes like to party. Yeah. And, and musicians. Mul- and it's multiple blokes. You finish with, say, one group of people at whenever, 11 p.m. Yeah. And then it's the next boys are, hey, you yeah. want to come? Start restarts yeah. all up. over. And sometimes, oh, and I think that's often when like the addictions start to build because, you know, you kind of, you, you, you get that feeling of elation from the music you're creating and whatever. The drugs carry that feeling of elation it, through it the night. It becomes a part of the whole experience. Exactly. You know? And like, then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, it kind of slowly creeps into your life because when you're not, when you're not creating that music yeah, or you're yeah. not on that stage or you're not have, at that after party or whatever, like, well, what do I do? Oh, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. crack a beer and go get a bag. You yeah, know, yeah. like all fucking something. Like yeah. you know, that's it, it creeps into your life, man. man. Totally. Like, I you think know, and all, it just leave, it just brings you back up. It yeah. gives you that fucking. We've all feeling. dealt with our like addictions, our and demons, stuff, you know what man. I mean? Like, like again, I deal with them fucking every it's, fucking day. I think it's more the norm than a fucking exception to the rule. Absolutely, more bro. than anything. Absolutely, you know what bro. I mean? like, yeah, that's why. Like with this podcast, man, I kind of be more than open about it these days. You know, and I love your stories, man. Well, yeah, I think it's like I said to you. There were certain stories I was a bit iffy about telling, but in the end, man, fucking total honesty is kind. 
Snyder. Yeah. It's good. That's it. You know dude. what I mean? It's That's just, it. You may as well. Just, yeah. Like I said, occasionally when I watch that Vlad TV and stuff, the ones are the most interesting when you're hearing about the beast with dudes or their personal <laughs> problems. That's that's the shit people want to hear, yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Controversy. Yeah, controversy. Vlad, man, Vlad fishes for that shit oh, too. Totally, that man. Like, he knows what he's doing. But yeah, you know exactly, what I mean? bro. Exactly. Millions of fucking subscribers and shit. Yeah, like, yeah. Fucking A. But so what the process with this man, like it was recorded over how many years and when did it drop? 2015? Yeah, it didn't drop till like 10 years after it was finished or something. Yeah. So like basically up to 2004 or 2005, I recorded a couple of the last songs for it yeah. and then Glenn was meant to master it and mix it and shit yeah. and um, the dude just fell off the face of the earth because again I know he was probably having his own battles with demons and stuff yeah. and uh, he disappeared he, yeah. he just disappeared he, 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 he severed contact with every single person he knew um, like I said him and Mark Walton were quite good friends and stuff and Mark didn't know what had happened to him or where he was or what had and so he had all my masters and all my all my shit at his house, basically. And so I called Mark Walton and was like, well, what do I do, man? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, again, I can't just throw it out or whatever. Yeah. And Mark Walton managed to miraculously go to his parents' place and go through his computers and stuff and managed to find it, which was, again, That's in and of itself, it was a miracle. Yeah. Yeah, but then I still had the problem of artwork and all that stuff. And so... Um, so I basically then had a whole bunch of unmastered and unmixed shit um, and also no artwork. But at the time, I DJed a couple of parties for Billabong. I had a friend who, oh, you was, saying, that's right. yeah. who was dating one of the kind of head honcho chicks at Billabong. And, yeah. and so they asked me to DJ some parties, some Christmas parties and shit. Yeah. And basically, we struck a deal where she was like, well, if you DJ these parties, I'll give you access to our art department and give you one of our art guys and he'll sort out your artwork and stuff like that. So, again, that dragged out for a couple more years, Fuck. you know, because he could only get him like one day a yeah. week or one day a month or yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah, And he was down the coast, so it was always a bit of a mission. And then, yeah, after a couple of years of doing that, I called Billabong, yeah, can I speak to such and such? And they're like, oh, he doesn't work here anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck you mean he doesn't work here anymore? Dude. Like he's got all my shit. Like he's got all my and he had all the original photos and all the like a lot of my archive shit, yeah. all my original posters and stuff. Yeah. And um I ended up tracking him down and he moved to Melbourne or some shit and he couldn't give two fucks anymore. He was like, dude, man, I don't work for them anymore. It's not my fucking problem. And I was like, by that time, all the 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 formats were wrong. Like technology had changed and yeah, shit. Dude. so all yeah. of a sudden i had all these files that every computer geek was telling me oh man we can't use these and again as a layman i'm looking at it going it's there on the screen man what do you mean we can't use it like what do you mean like, <laughs> yeah. fucking, it's there dude it's there. Like, you know yeah. like yeah. dudes but you know obviously whatever the technical issues were so again it ended up taking me again another fucking two or three years and then when the dogs toured again europe in 2006 or seven or something they owed me a bit of money and so I said to Joel, I was like, look, how about we do a deal and you guys fucking get this CD out, make it fucking happen. You know, yeah. We'll call it Square and shit. So the songs go back to 97 and I think it came out in 2010 or 12 wow. or something. And then wow. we had issues. The first thousand CDs we got were all blank. Oh, so right. we were meant to do a launch in Byron Bay. So I did a launch with no CDs. <sighs> and then in the end, I only ended up getting 500 after that. So there's only 500 of them and stuff and it's like, so it was like a calamity of errors. From it just, was just it was just fucking balls up yeah, from the beginning, yeah, man. Yeah. You know, like, are you are you are you proud of at, at the end of the day? Um, like looking back on, I'm it glad now, to have put something out. Yes, you yeah. know what I mean. I'm glad yeah. to have put, you know, and, and some of it, 
Like, I don't hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But by the same token, I'm sure motherfuckers listen to it and go, man, that's some mad dated shit. Yeah, yeah, You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? You know Dude, what I mean? music, though. Like I said, yeah, yeah. you know. Actually, yeah. that's me and, on the CD. That's me and Lazy doing Fiesta. Oh, can you see Lazy? Or is it like, oh, you don't have the is back that, cover. No, I don't Yeah, that's his cover. legs. That's So that's me and Lazy doing Fiesta. Really? Many years Oh, Valley later. Fiesta? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. Is that you there? Yeah. Shit. Yeah, that picture is actually on on the back that you don't have on that dummied up version. Yes, that picture yeah. is actually on the back of the CD without the writing. Oh, and thank stuff. you for going to this effort, bro. I mean, I know, like, fuck, photocopy. Yeah, well, like I said, like... man, heads and stuff deserve to. Yeah, because you know, I never that, heard it. There's only fifty. It. Nobody has, man. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, nobody yeah, has. Like, yeah. Oh, I look forward to fucking. I played in the. Car, I gave right? them all away pretty much just at the Bowery and shit. I, don't, yeah. I think I sold ten or twenty in Butterbeats. That was yeah. about it. And yeah. The rest went to acquaintances and family and friends and shit like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. nobody's heard it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. That's my major bummer is that I never put out more music. Is it? Do you have any intentions to do so? Um, or are you kind of are you kind well, of I've gotten to the point now, man, where all I really want to do is do a vinyl release, a double vinyl, not even new music. I mean, I'd love to make a new album, but man, I'm working kids and shit yeah, just bro. becoming more and more of a pipe dream. makes it harder and harder so basically my my goal that i think about more often than not is to try and do a double vinyl release of probably some songs off that but all like the guest spots i've done and yeah. and you know a couple of dogs tracks hopefully because we've got like live versions of set it off and live versions and you know things like I, i'd like to because i always just wanted to make records yeah, make too. vinyl exactly. so i'd love to kind of do a double vinyl preserving shit i've done in the past more so than shit i'm gonna do I'd, yeah, I, yeah. I would love to do a record i always planned on kind of packing in my day job and doing the studio and yeah and again life just gets doesn't work it doesn't way. work that way yeah, man yeah, best yeah. laid plans of mice and men or exactly. whatever they fucking say exactly and even like you were saying yesterday and that fucking spun me the fuck out that you've been with the dogs for fucking what 20 something years and you're only on one, one fucking song, song. One, <laughs> one official song, song. 22 years how's that song, man. that's bugs man yeah, like but like bugs. i said because when they started working with emi a lot of doors opened them for them to yeah. use international guests, you know yeah. they have the Far Side and Spiky T and Maestro and yeah. a lot. And, and, you know, as a as an artist, that's pretty exciting. You know, yeah, if you yeah. can get dudes who you look up to, Abby Rude and stuff. Yeah. If you can get these guys on your releases, yeah. And, you know, Catch might tell the story differently and stuff, but yeah, yeah. It just kind of never seemed to, to, yeah. Just like, never eventuated. Just never eventuated. But see, that's where I think, like, where, like, you know, like, the, I mean, the dogs, the resident dogs have always done their thing and all props to them. But, like, f as fans, we wanted to hear Aussie shit. Our Dude, MCs, my, my young, you know, I've got a younger like, brother, right? And yeah. he, um, he's like six years younger than me. But in if the you're early days. the far side, I'll listen to the far side. Yeah, know? that's like, right. That's right. You know, you know what yeah. I mean? They, they used to say the same shit to me. Because uh, they, they became pretty big fans, you know, and they yeah. were young, much younger dudes and not even hip-hop dudes, but they used to come to the Shinky Road gigs. My brother would always bring like six or eight or ten of his mates. And yeah, yeah, used yeah. to make a lot of difference back in the day Shit and stuff, yeah. you know. Shit and yeah. they would all always tell me like, you know, we, we, we want to hear the songs that are on the records and stuff, you know. Like we, we come and we see you doing, you know, these versions of songs and these yeah. things and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. but the songs... Everyone wants to hear the albums and shit, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so, again, yeah, yeah. if you're doing albums with guests that you can't have most of the time, yeah, you know, the fans are – Yeah, that's right. They don't like it as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. it's great if Ab's on tour with us and we can do Ab's songs with Ab. Yeah. But if it's me doing, like, different verses and covering over Ab's parts in songs, then it's not the same. And how much label budget must they be blowing on a fucking, you know, like a far side – 
Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it's got something. Again, I've never had anything to do with the business side yeah. of the dogs. I'm just a hired gun. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. they call me when they need for shows. Yeah, That's about dude. the extent of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know about the business side of it. But, but like we were saying, in the early days, Lazy and the Aussie hip hop, because dogs, for better or worse, they're part of Aussie hip hop. Oh, like, sure. they get lumped into Aussie hip hop. For sure. When, you know, 90% of the dog's music is not technically what you'd claim. It's all beat based. Yeah, and it's yeah, all, yeah, yeah. But it's all sorts of music. That's right. You know what I mean? It's dance right. music. It's reggae. It's, yeah. you know, they've done every style under the sun. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the thing I think that always stuck with dudes, like, again, was the early Aussie hip hop. Yeah. Like that early 2000 when shit started hitting. Dude. Like I said, seeing Lazy, it's like, dude, that's the highlight of the show for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, the show yeah. was great. Yeah. But fuck, man, when you had that dude out, that, yeah, that's, yeah. that was Absolutely, the bomb man. part, you know? Absolutely. And again, like, I had a lot of. I got a lot of love off dogs fans, you know mm. what I mean? Like, mm. we love what you do, man. Fuck, you're killing it and mm. blah, blah, blah. Man, actually, I should tell this story because, man, it was Park Jam, I think in Sydney or Melbourne or whatever. There was yeah, this Park yeah. Jam, big hip-hop festival, right? That fucking, that, um, was it that one? Luna at, Park. Luna Park. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, so, yeah. man, that was like 2004 or something. God, that was the one, wasn't it? That was the, that's the one where we went to was Sydney. That, was that that's it? That's it, bro. Dude, yeah. so basically a lot of the work for this was done, right? Yeah. But again, I hadn't put anything out. And I had two dudes come up to me at that park jam. And they're like, yo, Dino, fuck, man. Yeah, real, real humble, real nice, you know, real keen to meet me. And they're like, what happened to you, man? We thought you were going to blow it up, man. Yeah. But, and they were honest. They were super honest. They yeah, were like, yeah, yeah. dude, like, why why have you never done anything? Like, what? And, 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 it, and it crushed me, man. It was yeah. like, I was like, dudes, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put out a CD, man. There's meant to be something coming. But that's the thing. They were like, what happened to you, man? We thought you were going to fucking blow it up. Yeah. You know? And I was like, I was flattered and crushed all in the same breath. Yeah. I was like, oh, you guys are so right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's going to be fucking, that's going to be like a confronting it, almost. It was, man. It was, thing, it was really because all I ever wanted to do was put out music that's and right. I hadn't put out shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Shiki Row had come out, but even that was kind of like, you yeah. know, like even. But with, see, but, but guess what? You know, not to interrupt, not, and I don't want to cut you off, but you can't fucking discredit what you've fucking done. You've done things that people dream of fucking doing, bro. Yeah. You've lived like, that it's been, life. It's been great, you know. You've lived that but life. But that's why man. it's so cool to do stuff like this because, again, not very many people. Well, we get know. to commemorate. We get to yeah. celebrate yeah, yeah, and then totally. communicate it with fucking a broader audience. Yeah, yeah. You know, like because that's that's it, dude. Like, and you deserve that fucking commemoration, man. You've given fucking thirty years to this country. Yeah, it's like been outside a fun of ride. bro, outside of Lazy Gray, you know. I mean, Lenny come, you know, Lenny originates in Melbourne. Even Oath and them came along later. You like, bro? There's not many MCs out of this city. That yeah. It was you and Lay's. Yeah, there wasn't you know? many. You and Lay's, man. Like, and we've got the flyers to prove that it was pretty much it. You I know? think in that Decipher thing, it says, like, a, it's got shout-outs to the Brisbane Hip Hop Collective. Yeah. And it's, like, probably ten names on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And half yeah. of them are the Dogs and Lazy and yeah. Towering Inferno and stuff because that was the Brisbane Hip Hop Collective. That's it. That's you know, what there it was. was. It was only the same ten dudes you would always see at the same shows and stuff, you know? Like, the only dudes who would go to shows when Catch and Frenzy were, like, putting clubs on was Decipher Crew and TRP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. only dudes who would be at the shows yeah. always, you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. religiously and, yeah, you know. And then fucking, I suppose, you know, like, the extension of that would be that the dogs went up taking out busking all that to be yeah, all yeah. that stuff, and Yeah, they? that was yeah. all part of it, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? B-Boy All-Stars. Yeah, yeah, true, exactly, the B-Boy All-Stars. Fuck, can't you have a legacy, man? Like, you know, it's you can't you can't write it off. You can't discredit it. And like I said at the start of this fucking interview, it was kind of like, 
catching up with you yesterday, I was honored to stand in that fucking studio in your, like underneath your house and just like, I'll tell people, man, like I went, like I, was, I left my house yesterday morning at like 10.30 telling the missus, I'll be back, be back in an at hour. half, dude. Yeah, like, I'm only going for an hour. I'll be back. Like, give me a couple of hours. I'll be back. I call her two hours later. We go in the bottle shop to get a six pack, a fucking bottle of rum later. I, and I, I texted, fucking- dude, I texted a couple of mates too <laughs> and stuff as well. I was like, yeah, man, Jake Biz is coming over and stuff. Yeah, he was meant to fucking stay for like half an hour and he stayed for like six hours. Oh, I kind of left it like five o'clock in the was, afternoon yeah, blind drunk was, from Red Bank Plains. Which is, you know, we'll get some details out of the way. We'll figure out yeah, what we're going to yeah, do. It's yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. no, fuck that. We'll hang out all day and get pissed. Oh, okay, yeah. I was, yeah, man, we, I was in my element, man. I was just like, and I was learning, bro. I was just like, wow. Like, I I, I never knew you could, I, like, I mean, I knew I was aware, but I just did not to the extent that you have contributed. Yeah, they, you, I mean, there was always man. something a little bit early. Like I said, I always felt like I was that like kind I was of second, for and all second that sort of generation shit. of like, there was always dudes just before me who were doing shit. But yeah. again, you look locally, there's not yeah. very, very many dudes. Brisbane's yeah. still a small town and stuff. And like I said, because I'm a kind of collector slash hoarder, you know, that's why I have those flyers from like 93 and 92 and, oh, you know, the, the tapes and shit like that. Someone like, you know, to. yeah, I don't get rid of anything. You know what I mean? I always, put it this way. I loved Aussie hip hop so much that I always knew that we would get to this stage. Yeah, I always yeah. knew there would be a Hilltop Hoods. From the second I heard Sound Unlimited, yeah. I knew there would fucking come a time. Yeah. And and that's what we, all the early dudes, that's what we all wanted to do. Yeah. We all wanted to be that guy who brought to get people to accept Aussie hip hop and end up being the Hoods and more yeah. power to them because they've been there from there from the beginning. Yeah, of course. You yeah, know, yeah. if anyone, why not them? You know yeah. what I mean? And they, yeah. they make incredible music. Yeah, Hard Road is in my fucking top three albums of all fucking time. I've probably yeah. played that. I played that on the day to my wedding, man. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. On, the, on the way to my wedding, I was playing the hard road and my yeah. fucking dickhead brother, sorry, Gordy, he, <laughs> he, he, um, he tr- we get in his car because he was driving us and he puts on like Jack Jones or some shit and he was trying to say something like, no, Jack Johnson. And oh, he was Jack trying Tom, to say yeah, that yeah, these yeah. certain songs sound like Shinky Road. Man, you should listen to this. And I fucking hate that surf Byron, yeah, that yeah. laid back surf dude. That's my least favorite kind of music. Yeah, I don't dude. like it, man. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't listen to it. I can Surfy listen to songwriter shit. Yeah, I can listen to pretty much everything, but I don't like that that hippie shtick, that fucking, yeah, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. not into it. So I was dead set. I want, look, dude, I'm listening to fucking Hoods on the way. This is, I planned this already. This is what I'm listening to on the way to my fucking wedding. And he's like, nah, it's my car, man. I choose the music. We almost had a fucking punch up. We had to pull over on the side of the road. I'm like, mother, because again, I was drunk as 10 men already before yeah, yeah, I was getting married. I was like, dude, you better put this fucking CD in or I'm going to fucking smash you and stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it was one of those things, man. But yeah, the Hoods, like I said, they've been there from the beginning. The glass and, or the fucking uh, I've still got, man. You're right for the minute. I'm fucking going slow. I'll drink out of this one. (laughs) Fuck, dude. Like, seriously, what else are we... What happened? (laughs) Just watch your shoes on the floor. What? My shoes? Oh, cunt. What the fuck? Oh, no, that's just off the chair. Fuck, I'm wearing the Wolf Grey Jordan 4s, you motherfuckers. I don't want that shit all over. Nah, that's all good. It's on the front. It's on the fucking... Burning rubber. Yeah, straight up. Oh, that's all good. Holy shit, you've probably done Holy like three fuck. kilometers on your chair or yeah, something. No, no, the case of... I've left all this shit on the floor. I've gotten it on the sole of my fuck, I don't wear these fours out too often, can't I? I have to take a moment and fucking pull the toothbrush out. That was <laughs> the one that was the one aspect of hip hop I never got into was sneakers, man. I've had the oh, fucking no. same pair of fucking Adidas three oh, stripes. Ever since, Travis ever since I discovered Run DMC, this is the only pair of sneakers Adidas. I've ever worn. You know complex is the same. Complex <laughs> is fucking Adidas all day, that's man. It, man. Like, you know, yeah. I'm fucking... I've probably only had four pairs over the last twenty years. Oh, you're 
always die. My kids always hassle me, like, because they're like, Dad, why don't you buy yourself some shoes? Oh, like, I kind of had four pairs in I'm the last month. I'm too busy month. buying you guys' shoes. I don't have <laughs> to buy myself shoes. Like, <laughs> oh, dude, you start living through your kids. Like, I bought my daughter fucking Carmine Sixes. Man, my daughter's I'm, a sneaker head. Yeah. So, I recently, I, yeah, I, I treated her and went and dropped, like, fucking a grand on three pairs of sneakers or something. Jesus, what'd her. you buy? I don't even know. You'd Yeezys have to ask or her, man. Like, yeah, Yeezys? There, there was one pair of Jordans. I don't know what kind. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. and they're like another pair. And she knows. I yeah, know. Yeah. She, she was like, she was all like, oh, cause I just rape my super. That's the only way. Yeah, <laughs> cause yeah. over COVID and stuff. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like, you can rape your super. I'm like, okay, I will. <laughs> I'm not going to live long enough to fucking spend it. <laughs> so, I you know, may as well get it now. And my missus works in super. And she said like, you know, cause I didn't access it the first time around, but I did the second time around. And she said, it's actually probably the fucking smartest way to do it because you're actually getting it tax free. Like they're giving it to you tax free. And again, so you man, you know well they want us to work till we're like seventy six or something now. At this point, so it's like, yep. yeah, dude, seventy six. Are yeah. you fucking kidding me, dude? Fucking take it. <laughs> After the lives we've lived, and the, nobody's making it to seventy six. Bro, I tell tell cunts, man, I was middle. I'm fucking forty this year. I was middle aged ten years ago. Like fucking seriously. Yeah, like they man. want us to work essentially like, the equivalent of the life we've lived. Yeah, again, yeah, yeah. Over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, straight up, man. And the dudes who are writing these laws are the dudes who are retired at fucking sixty. Oh, and double stuff. pension. Got, yeah, double the pension. That yeah. you know. They're all like yeah. free uni education and stuff. They're like, you know what? No, no, we're not doing I that anymore. If they're gonna give, I wonder if they're going to do another round of that because like Melbourne's I just gone into another fucking... They reckon. can't. The super yeah. companies can't. They're trying to recoup the cost of like my missus works. Oh, she's you know some dudes cleaned she's... up on that, man. Yeah, you know bro. dudes who have money mm. cleaned up on yeah. that, buying all those shares when they were that's like what, worth that's fuck what, all. All my tradie mates did. They took out the, took out the cash, invested it. Most yeah. of them like... It's a good no, move. Man, I wish I was that smart. Yeah. One bloke could uh, quadruple 20K. Yeah, wow. Oh, Jesus, no shit. Man. Yeah, if you're smart with the money, man, it's not a fucking... Yeah. Not That's a bad it, thing man. To do. But yeah, you know, there's dudes at the top end of the scale who did way better. Oh, fucking A, dude. <laughs> fucking A. Add like four more zeros or something to the money they made. Yeah, know? bro. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck, is there anything you want to fucking leave us with, man? Like, Nah, nah not particularly, man. Nah. I'm, I'm proud of where Aussie hip-hop's gone. I mean, not in any kind of fucking... You know, big-headed kind of way. But like I yeah. said, man, I always knew Aussie hip-hop would get to a point where it was an accepted medium, an accepted mm. kind of thing. And, and the scenes changed so much, you know. In the early days, it was all breakers. You know, for the early part when people started making music, Aussie hip-hop was writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all it was, man. And a lot of us all started that way, you know what I mean? Started as yeah. breakers or writers and, yeah. and came into music like yeah. later and shit. But now that you can have like Aussie hip hop artists, you know, like, I mean, fuck, that's a victory in itself. Dude, it's popular culture now. Yeah, that's like, what, of course it is. Like, like, like hip hop culture. Like hip hop culture. culture became pop culture. Exactly. Aussie hip hop did the, the same thing. Yeah, you know yeah. What it's, I mean? followed, like, it's followed lock fucking step, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's amazing, man. Like, it's fucking amazing. What was I? I fucking lost my train of thought there. I was about to say something. But yeah, dude, I fucking 100% agree. But it's like people like you that have fucking forged that path, man. Like, quite seriously. Yeah, we're all getting old. Yeah, dude. Yeah, but we need to fucking, you know, we need to learn. We need to hear these stories, man. And yeah, fuck, yeah. Bro, I can't fucking. Thank you enough for yours, brother. Thank like, you very much, quite man. Seriously, it's Dino, been a pleasure, man. Like Dino, let's give this motherfucker a round of applause for just the fucking years of fucking contribution. Dino, brother. yeah, man. <laughs> and hopefully we fucking see more of you, dude. And if you do anything, man, come back anytime, Dope. brother. And if you find that IT guy, send him my way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for real, can't we need one? We need one. Well, this has been Beers Beats and the Biz for another week, motherfuckers. Enjoy. Yeah.